Adam Curry, John C. Devorah. It's Thursday, August 2nd, 2012. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 431. This is No Agenda. Parked in the shadow of Northcom, smack in the middle of the real government headquarters, Denver, Colorado. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where there is no such place, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. <laughs> You're telling me there's nothing in these mountains here? <laughs> no, there's nothing there. Nah, nothing to, nothing see, to here. see here. Nothing to see here. That's right. Don't look over here. Nothing to see here. Ooh, look at that. By the way, those slogans are still on the uh, Sin Bin and, and uh, Mustang Sally. No, good. I hope people get a kick out of it. <laughs> oh, I have to mention we're actually in Erie. Uh, Erie. Erie, Co- Pennsylvania. Erie, Indiana. Erie, Colorado. Colorado. It's an E-E-R-I-E. One E. E-R-I-E. Oh. And uh, we are right in the flight path of a small airport here. So from time to time, you'll hear something coming over. Do not be alarmed. As long as it doesn't hit the thing. No. <laughs> You hook, who are you hooked up to? What are you doing there? Okay, well, um, shall I give you a little summary of the past uh, few days since we last yeah, spoke? Yeah, you might as well give us a rundown. Okay, I mean, I hope I don't bore you or anything. No, no, I think people are interested to a point. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, thanks. When, when we last spoke, uh, where was I? I was When in, we uh, last spoke, I was in Dallas, Dallas Texas. Dallas, Texas, right. Um, so we left Dallas and we drove to Kansas and we um, parked. I thought in... you would be in Kansas today. No, no, no. I mean, hey, look, it was, so wait a minute, let me it get was this four straight. days. Come on, four days, John. Yeah, but I know you can drive across the whole country in four days if you just get in the thing and stomp on it and go and go and go and go and go. Yeah, so that's not much of an option. Let me explain. So we, we drove to Kansas uh, towards Wichita where producer John Leonard, with his uh, wonderful wife, Mary, and his son, uh, John Jr., uh, this is an amazing guy. I John, John, and Mary. John, John, and Mary. It was actually their uh, their 29th wedding anniversary, which they for, for uh, they gave up to take us out to dinner to entertain us. Maybe after 29 years, maybe no one cares. I don't know. Yeah, it'll probably be a little <laughs> tough on the 30. I'm just saying. Um and on the way up, the basically the tailpipe and the muffler all kind of uh, fell off Mustang Sally, which oh, gave us a lot the of tailpipe and the muffler fell off. It kind of took it with it. <laughs> the tailpipe kind of took the muffler along with it, uh, which is not good for your heat situation, for your back pressure. All kinds of things are not so great. Yeah, it also makes a lot of racket. It makes some racket, and uh, of course, we had 111 degrees on the road. And uh, so we, of course, wound up uh, turning off the air conditioner. <laughs> it's probably the air conditioner that made the thing. Now, let's back up a minute. <laughs> it was, that, was a, that was not a fun trip. Let me tell you that. Now, where did this happen? Uh, on, uh, what is it? Uh, what is it? 35? Is that what we took up? No. Uh, I can't was it remember. on the way to Wichita? Yeah. 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 The, 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 the muffler and tailpipe fell off. Yes. Uh, it looks and like nobody when they're checking your car noticed there may have been uh, you know not bolted on or it's rusting. Well, we, the rust was kind of a known factor. So, but it, it's okay, it's all right. You know, it's <laughs> just the problem was the the heat issue because you know you do start to get into a little bit of elevation. 
And uh, yeah, it's, it, it, the, uh, it's, it's a strain on the thing to go up to. Yeah. It, it, going into the Rocky Mountains is not known as the as, as a easy on a car. No, no. And um, it, luckily, though, we didn't have to turn on the heater to cool down the car. <laughs> so we, we didn't have to go to that extreme just yet. But it was pretty bad. And uh, so we so we uh, head up to Wichita. Now, John Leonard, very interesting guy. He's uh, an aeronautical engineer. Of course, Wichita is the home of aviation. This is where all the big aviation companies are. Um, he works for Learjet, but there's uh, you know every uh, every plane really you know that is assembled is pretty much uh, designed and engineered and and in many cases assembled in Wichita, which I found out is because it is exactly the furthest from each coast. Uh, of the United, the United States of Gitmo Nation. So, if someone wanted to bomb the facilities, like going back to World War II, they uh-huh. would have they would have to fly, you know, the furthest uh, inland that you could uh, imagine, because there's no other right. reason to be in Wichita. Uh, but also, Airbus is now in uh, in Wichita, and what? Uh, so, I, you know, I met up with a couple other engineers, and John, um, he actually, he, well, he chases work. He's a contractor, so he lives in uh, a trailer. And he's been in Wichita for three years, but he also lives in San Diego. You know, he's done a combination of military and uh, uh, and civilian uh, engineering jobs. So, a very interesting guy. A beautiful trailer, by the way. His trailers go. I mean, he's got a fireplace in there. He's got oh yeah, no, you can make you can do well in a really great trailer. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And his wife hates hotels, so they decided, you know, we're just going to live in a trailer. So it's really nice. And um, uh, but he has a side hobby, which is phenomenal. Go to. Uh, DuneBuggyGolfCarts.com. This is going to crack you up. <laughs> so he's a a monthly donor. Uh, hold on, Dune Buggy Golf Carts. Dune Buggy Golf Carts. Carts. Dot com. And uh, and look at the these Dune. Are, I got Dube. Dune. 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 Yeah, so he actually he makes Dune buggies out of golf carts. And because you know he's an engineer, so he designed this body out of fiberglass. Oh, yeah. It looks. The other page. I've seen these kinds of things. Isn't this beautiful? I never saw it as a golf cart. Though. That's yeah. a very funny idea. <laughs> so he actually had the you know the the golden orange one you see there. He actually yeah. had you know he's like hey, here's the keys. You know we're tooling around the RV park. You know going to the showers and uh, so he's sell- old parts. Yeah, and so he's selling these to rich Arabs who show up there to to, to pick up their seven. You know their. Uh, their Airbus or whatever, um, but well, oh, they take a couple of these things back. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, they they load yeah, them just up, drive them into the Airbus, yeah, and haul them back to Saudi Arabia. But here's what's interesting. So they're very course, pretty, very pretty. Uh, so there's a lot of engineers up there, and I had the opportunity to talk to a couple. And uh, and of course, when aviation <coughs> guys get together, you know, there's uh, there's two camps really. There's the Sheet metal and rivets camp, which is what I belong to, which is, you know, Boeing still makes sheet metal and rivet airplanes. And then there's the plastic aircraft, which is what everyone else, particularly Airbus, is making. So without naming names, um, without fail, these engineers all said, yeah, um, we actually don't like flying in our own airplanes if they're made out of plastic. (laughs) They won't even fly in them. That's how much they trust this whole composite carbon fiber crap. Really? Uh Uh-huh. And check this out. So the Airbus, which is made out of plastic, it may not be... So according to the... Isn't the Dreamliner a plastic plane, too? Yeah, that's also plastic. 
according to the specs, these aircraft are not allowed on the runway if it's 125 degrees or more. Now, it's already 111 in Kansas City. Imagine some Arab dude picking up his Airbus, taking it to Ridia or wherever. Yeah, Ridia. Park it, yeah, Ridia. park it on the tarmac, and it's, it can easily be 125 degrees. I mean, it doesn't seem... It's, that's what it is every day. Yeah, and it just starts to melt away. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, wow, this is good inside information. So this is the kind of stuff that I'm getting on the road. Um which is uh, which it's always entertaining. Uh, they took us out to dinner um, at this fantastic South American joint where I had, uh, what was it, uh, uh, papusas? Have you ever heard of papusas? I have heard of papusas. Oh, my God. It was Salvadorian papusas. Huh. And, and in, in Wichita, Kansas, no less. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice. So, um, And then, uh, of course, I had to find a, a place to get a new muffler. I found Kevin's American Muffler. Which, it, John, this was like a reality show. This was like one of those Pimp My What's Ride shows. What's problem here, boy? Seriously. What you got going on? And it was three guys exactly the same. You know, like five feet tall, big beer belly, black clothes, bald head, big earrings, full of tats. Uh, we'll hook you right up. They threw in some chrome tips for me, too. Uh, so $400 later, I might add. Uh, I'm good to go. And um, then we uh, booked on over to Topeka. And, of course, Topeka, Kansas is where the state capital is. And important because my great uncle, my grandfather's brother, John Stuart Curry, painted these huge murals inside the Capitol building of John Brown. Now, John Brown, do you know the story behind him? I used to. John Brown was a famous abolitionist. And he... Uh, essentially, he armed or he uh, organized the citizens of uh, places like Lawrence, Kansas, and you know, kicked the Federalists out. And then they did it with pitchforks and muskets. And so, my um, this, by the way, was one of the progenitive—that's uh, the right word—or uh, one of the origins of the Tenth Amendment battle. Correct, because this was a was a states' rights. 10th Amendment states' yes. rights issue when they ra- rousted the feds. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just literally ran them out of town. Yep. Get out. And uh, so John Brown was you know, this, this really huge, larger-than-life guy, and I guess my great-uncle was buddies with him, which makes so much sense because you know, he was basically you know, an anti-government crackpot. And so mm-hmm. we, we go into the Capitol building, and um, you know, they're going through security like a magnetometer or whatever, and uh, the guys say, "Oh, you're here to see the the mural." Say, so, "Yeah." So you know, and uh, of course, Mickey's like, uh, "Yeah, this is Adam Curry." You know, it's his great uncle. Like, really? So yeah, and said, "Oh, are you such a hard nosed uh, ass like uh, John Stewart and John Brown?" So what do you mean? So oh, well, wait until you see the murals because uh, John Stewart Curry would paint some of the senators uh, as pigs' faces, which you can see <laughs> on these murals. I'm like this makes so much sense. My lineage, my heritage. <laughs> It's totally big, and these murals are are fantastic to see them. They're really big. So uh, Miss Mickey will be posting pictures of that on the uh, Hot Pockets Tour uh, Facebook page, itm.im slash tour09. Um, then uh, we, so that, that was good, by the way. And I, you know, I go around uh, when I'm traveling. I actually seek out art. 
Um, we tried to stop at the world's largest prairie dog, but we did, we just didn't. Oh, have time. that I would have actually. That, I, I do seek. I seek out quality art, but I, I also seek out that sort of. We thing. tried. Yeah, we tried. The world's largest prairie dog is, I'm sure, a scam. It's well, like a jackalope. I think we'll catch it on the way back when we drive back from uh, Colorado. Um, so then we went to uh, our. Oh, by the way, I need to thank. Um, Another producer in Wichita, uh, it was uh, Neil Smith, who uh, he, and this was, a, so all these guys are engineers, right? And so and uh, so John Lawrence said, well, you got to get this stuff, this wet wetter. Have you ever heard of this? No. And so you put it into your radiator and it helps your car run cooler. And it's oh. some kind of like punch. I don't know. It looks, looks like Hawaiian punch. And uh, so Neil brought uh, brought a couple of bottles over and poured it in, and it did seem to help, <clears throat> along with the muffler. Yeah, everything seems to help when you're not really testing. Well, we had the uh, so you know we we drove to Topeka, then we drove to Lawrence where we had our meetup, and uh, it was uh, it was well taken care of. Actually, you know, it uh, it kept cool. We were able to keep the air conditioning on, so you still got to be careful just on how fast you go, you know. 57 miles an hour seems to be optimum to keep it cool and, <laughs> and running, which is not very fast. No. And we had a great meetup there organized by Jason Baker, uh, who organized, also uh, uh, paid for drinks and uh, and dinner from his Mickey and I. And we had uh, you know, a nice crowd. I'd say about 20 people. People brought their kids who were also listeners and truly listeners of the show. Um, and, uh, you know, so we had a nice dinner. And then we uh, we had about nine or ten hours to go to Denver, so we decided to drive. We left around seven thirty p.m. Uh, drove to Hayes, which is kind of halfway between um, Lawrence, Kansas, and uh, and Denver, and stayed at a they have an you know a Coa campground. Uh, quick overnight, which was actually our first uh, no our second full on night in the sin bin. Quite comfortable. And then we uh, we booked it on up, and we did okay. Um, what do you call it, the sin bin? You're married. Yeah, but still sinful things take place. Mm. Go on. Okay. Uh, now, we have another sm- slight issue with uh, the truck. Um, the... Uh, <laughs> What is it? Did you, have you calculated the cost of a tow? Yeah, from uh, from Ida, from Boise, Idaho, towing the trailer back to Texas. So first of all, um, I, I guess somewhere I picked up some bad gas, so it uh, it's pinging a bit and it doesn't want to start really well. So I think, oh well, you, well, you know, I, I we talked about this on the show before. Yeah, it's the, the blend. It's the blend. The blends from place to place, and yeah. if you're down in the in the gullies and you go up in the mountains. Your uh, gas isn't going to work. Yeah, it, was a, it was a crappy blend, so I, I got to figure out something here. But also the power steering, I think the um, the valves are stuck or whatever. So you need you you can't uh, turn the wheel when the car is just idling. You have to rev up the engine a little bit. Oh yeah, it's so, just a old power steering unit that's so crapping I think, out. Yeah, I think the pump is. Uh, I wouldn't worry about that. No, because it's really not drivable. If because with a trailer, it's okay because you need power anyway. But I really, it's we got to change it. So we're going to try and do that. So anyway, we arrive here in Erie, which is uh, just about ten minutes south of Boulder, and we're here. Um, 
staying with, uh, hold on a second, let me just get all my notes together. And by the way, when you're buying gasoline on a trip like this, don't go to any little cheap, no offense to this, I'm sure we have a few proprietors that own some of these little gas stations. But generally speaking, they always buy, it's a second level grade that you get, especially outside of California, where by law they have to have detergents in the gasoline. Yeah. But you get a second grade, and if it's a Russian-owned place, they won't, no offense, no offense to, Russian, to Russians, yeah. No offense to our Russians, but uh-huh. yeah. they tend to throw like used diesel fuel and stuff into the thing because they don't well, I'll tell you, between um, Lawrence and Denver, you're happy that you see any gas stations. They're like, oh, there's one, finally. I mean, there's not a lot. There's no, like, big chains on the side of the road. So uh, we're here at the... gas, 187 miles. Yeah. So um, we're here. uh, The the sin bin is parked outside the home of uh, Chad Christie and Gage Christian. Um, Lovely family. Uh, Christie's uh, a dental hygienist. They have a 15-month-old son, Gage, who is uh, who loves dancing to all our jingles. I have seen it uh, firsthand. He can't write, really speak yet, but he'll he'll be cutting "Shut Up Slave" jingles soon. No doubt about it. And Chad, who actually didn't come home until this morning, seven o'clock, because he's on uh, overtime duty. He's a uh, EMS uh, paramedic and firefighter. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and and so he calls home last night, and and I felt so insignificant. And his wife's talking to him. He's like, "Yeah, there's some uh, some lady. You know, she she was basically dead, no pulse, no breathing. I brought her back to life with CPR." I'm like, <laughs> "I thought our show was important, but God, we, we suck. We don't do anything. This guy's bringing people back to life." But brought someone back from the dead at some point, but you never know. I, we have no proof of it. And I learned a new term, okay. uh, an EMS term, because last night he had uh, a call around, I guess, 3 a.m., someone suffering from excited delirium, essentially that? bath salts. Oh, excited <laughs> delirium. When someone goes nuts, and he says, like, five guys, we had to pull him down with five guys and shoot all kinds of stuff into him to get him to calm down. Excited delirium. I love it. I think it's a great term. And then wow. uh, tonight we've got a meetup. And then uh, on, let me see. Well, we're going to be around uh, the Colorado area for a few days. We'll do the Sunday show from here as well. But we're going to uh, Colorado Springs. We're going uh, near Aspen. So we're just going to leave the uh, uh, the box here. And uh, we're going to just uh, drive around. I think we're staying with some other people or there's a cabin or whatever. I, you know, Ms. Mickey uh, keeps that all up to uh, up to spec. So uh, that's where we're at. And uh, it's, it's really, it's been fantastic. Uh, if you look at the web, I don't know if you have, uh, maybe you got a hold of Jay's uh, account to look at Facebook, John. But uh, we have that, that picture of your head on a stick. Yeah, I can't get on Facebook. I'm not a member. It's fantastic. Every it's like you, it's, you know, there's, you know, there's a thing known as the World Wide Web. Yeah, yeah, I which know. has just regular, uh, yeah, you know, you, or the, you. the No Agenda Show site. Yeah, you could also it's, just be thankful she's doing it at all. No, I am. I just just saying that uh, you know maybe you should wean her off of the Facebook. When I understand, for example, the uh, and by the way, you have the skills to do this. Uh, the the no because it forwarded the information it still says hot pockets tour 2008 
on her yeah, Facebook. Yeah, no, page. you can't change that. If you change the title of the Facebook page, then um, it breaks all your likes and your members. Apparently, it becomes a new page. Thanks. Oh, that's that's yeah. charming. Thanks, yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Um. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, I don't know. Uh, just learning a lot. Did you eat anything good? Had a night. Well, the in Lawrence. Well, besides the pupusa, yeah, which was great. In Lawrence, we had. Uh, I was a gra- I got a great strip steak. They're really big on their beef at the place uh, we were there. There's and, a lot of good beef in the Midwest. Yeah, and by the way, because of the drought, watch the everyone's talking about it. Watch the beef prices plummet because uh, the farmers have to have call. To, call yeah, they got they got to process their meat. Otherwise, the cattle will die. Right, so there's going to be a lot of a lot of beef, lot of gonna, beef, on, of beef on the market out there. overnight. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, we're it's uh, it's been great. So the the head on a stick. That's what I wanted to say. It's kind of like, have you ever seen the movie Weekend at Bernie's, where they have the dead guy? Yeah, and they waving his arms and around. Carry, yeah, yeah. So that head, your head on a stick is kind of like that. You know, you popping up in every picture. You're in the dune buggy. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you found some use for my head. You're, you're in every group shot. You're, you're a beautiful man. <laughs> and we miss you. We miss you on the road, as is everybody else. But I said, I always say this. We miss you. You should so take it upon yourself. Come meet us in Boise, man. Come to the Boise. 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 I might go to Boise. You could drive to Boise. No, I couldn't. Uh, it's not that far. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I'll fly to Boise. You got to go through hell's half acre. Hmm. Which whether or not you're ever going to, whether you're going to visit that or not, I'm not sure from the direction you're going, but wow. Yeah. Half acre, my butt. What is, uh, what is uh, Hell's Half Acre? Hell's Half Acre, which is endless miles and miles of uh, lava flow oh. with no life <laughs> at all. It's like being on the moon. Is there a gas station? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Anyway, in the morning to you, John C. Dvorak. Well, in the morning to you, Adam Curry. In the morning to all ships at sea, boots on the ground, subs in the water, and feet in the air. And in the morning to all of our human resources in the chat room, all lined up, ready to go. We see that you are uh, quickly depleting your $9.2 million in uh, lifetime value. Good to have you here. NoAgendaStream.com, NoAgendaChat.net. Um, despite the uh, the travels, I've been able to collect a lot of, a lot of stuff. There's... Uh, some interesting things happening. I, I came up short, I think. Really? No, I, I, I'm good, man. I I have a couple of... I finally got to the bottom of the badminton thing, which was getting... Yeah, so nerves. this is the... Uh, now, of course, we know all professional sports are rigged, and uh, the Olympics could be no no different, and you have done some digging on this? Well, a little bit. I, I've, when they... There's a couple of things that happened. One, of course, let's just in the background. People haven't been watching these idiotic Olympics. No, uh, they missed out on the big scandal, which is uh, uh, four or eight people, two, uh, four pairs of doubles, uh, Asian players, all got kicked out of the Olympics for trying to lose. <laughs> gee, gee, and badminton, such a an important badminton's sport. Badminton's actually, you know, I we used to play that when I was in high school. It kind of it's hard. It it's it's hardcore. It's a good game. Yeah, it's hard. And people, it's hard they cool. mock it. Oh, yeah. it's dumb. Yeah. It's like, you know, but you go play badminton against someone who knows what they're doing, and you'll yeah. be lucky to score a point. Yeah, that's true. And um, 
So what happened was the and the, and some guy from Belgium actually hinted at this, and then the only place I could find a good explanation for it for people out there, and we should probably put it in the show notes, is in Salon Magazine. Oh, the guy outlined exactly what the problem was. The problem boils down to this: the Chinese are the absolute best badminton people in the yeah. world. Period. Yeah. yeah. Why is that? And they is, is were that genetics. No, it's become a, a fad in the country oh, okay. since 1980, apparently, it became the, you know, cause the, and there was a lot of rationales for it. Some of it's explained in the Salon article. Well, anyway, the point is, is that the Chinese are so good that because Denmark won a match against somebody and screwed up the way the, the thing was going to finalize, the to, to play for a gold medal, they the Chinese were going to end up having to play against, their, their two teams were going to have to play against each other, and that means one would, wouldn't get... One would get a gold and the other one would get like a bronze or something. You wouldn't get the silver because of the way the tournament was set up. So to avoid this structure, one of the Chinese teams had to throw a match to get into a different group of people to play. Huh. The, the Like the losers round because right. they feel they're the best in the world and they should walk away with a gold and a silver. And if the goal, if the goal is to win the best medal you can win yeah. and it takes losing, then so be it. And so be it. And this was not a, 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 a this, these were the, the, the matches that only determined the, the final matchups. It was, it didn't yeah. count for your total score. It was just like to, to put you in a certain order. Yeah. So they had to lose. So they started playing the South Koreans. I think it was the South Koreans and they started losing and the South Koreans figured it out. <laughs> so they decided, okay. you know, big, what's going on? Hey, so now. they decided to throw the game too. So you had this tough, these two. No teams. one wanted to win. It's like it's like our politics. The neither uh, Democrats or Republicans want to win. So they're trying to both. And meanwhile, the, the real kicker here in this now, and I still haven't gotten the ticket price, but apparently these matches were, you know, sold out or sold. There was enough tickets sold. I, somebody said there may be up to $300 you pay to watch a badminton game where these guys are just dump, dumping it into the net on every shot. <laughs> so they started booing them. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's but, you awesome. Know, meanwhile, the Olympics guys, so people demanded their money back, and it was a big mess. And so they threw them out of the tournament, which, yeah. in fact, as the Belgian guy said, this was the Olympics' fault. They're the ones who set it up like this. And if you, if to get a silver, a gold silver combination with two teams, if you have to lose a match, that's what you do. Right. So they shouldn't have been penalized. This whole thing is just typical. I mean, the Japanese uh, job, the uh, Ukrainians and men's uh, gymnastics too. Okay. I mean, anyway. So you got a clip? No. No, yeah. I do. I have the clip about the, let's see, what do I have? Bad men have a scandal? Yeah, that's just the background. I should have played it before I yacked. All right. So we'll, we'll leave it out. Yeah, just leave. Hey, why don't we uh, why don't we thank some producers before we move on? Because I think well, the list we got is short. Today. Talking about getting shorted by the Olympics, we got shorted too. We only have two producers. Actually, we have. Uh, one oh, you have some? Yeah, I have uh, an executive producer. Uh, that would be actually uh, the uh, the family. Hold on a second here. This is from our Lawrence meetup. Eric, Lori, Eric, and Lori swim. Um, three hundred dollars. Eric and Lori swim. Eric and Lori swim. Three hundred dollars. They also. Uh, uh, she writes in a lot. Yes, she does. She does. In fact, you're right. And uh, she made some wonderful. Uh, what do you call those? Um, uh, oven mitts for me. She made oven mitts for you. Yeah, handmade. They're beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and actually, she has a card. Let me read the card for a second. What's anyway. the oven? Okay. Yeah. Uh, to Mickey and Adam, wishing you all the best things in life. But first, 
You just have to weather this challenging road trip. Adam, a woman who would take this kind of trip as a quasi-honeymoon must be pure gold. Take good care of her. Mickey, the potholders are for those times you need your crackpot to just put a lid on it. <laughs> Hold on a second. Uh... In the morning. Thanks for all you do. We love the show. Uh, Eric and Lori Swim. Uh, beautiful card. And they are uh, donating the $300 towards uh, Eric's knighthood. And they had their son there, uh, who was also, uh, he's kind of a crackpot, actually, I thought. I thought it was more crackpot than buzzkill. So they do check in as the only executive producer on today's show, I believe. Yeah, then we have three associate executive producers. Uh, Louisville, Kentucky, we have uh, Answer Maven, no comment. John Johnson, and he came in with $250. John Johnson Jr., two twenty two twenty two. Uh, in the morning, heard you mention the show Rubicon a few times, so I went looking for it. It isn't available anywhere. Netflix, uh-huh. iTunes, and Amazon. Amazon does have it for stream now. Okay. So if, if you go to Amazon, you will find it. And he wants some karma for his smoking hot fiance, Candace. You've got karma. And I do find it odd that they didn't put it on DVD. But uh, yeah, well, I was looking for it, and I found it on uh, on minis- Amazon. You know, they have this streaming thing. If you're if you're an Amazon Prime member, you get all yeah. this television stuff. Yeah, a lot of it for free. Yeah, or in, yeah. In, including in your- and Rubicon's free. Yeah, Lucas uh, Taema in Ustgist. Ustgeist. 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 Lucas Taema. Lucas Taema. <laughs> Seems to be a good moment to donate some extra money. Keep up the good work. Uh, please tell the slaves in the Netherlands that there's an option to more liberty for the September 12th elections in the Netherlands. The Liberace Partage, the Liberty Party. Oh, no, no. It's the uh, Libertarische Partij, which would yeah. be the Libertarian. libertarian. Oh, it's the Libertarian. Yeah, Libertarische Partij. Huh. Do it. Say it. Libertari supertai. Libertari supertai. Awesome. No, no, no. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Yeah. And that's so those it. are executive producers. Yeah. Associate executive producers. Okay, yeah, yeah. We came up a little short today, unfortunately. Well, it is, of course, uh, July. It's no, August, it's August. What am I talking about? The yeah, dog it's more days. The dog days of summer. Well, we do appreciate our executive producers and associate executive producers. As you know, these credits are absolutely 100% real. They're just as valid as Hollywood. But unlike the phonies there, we will actually vouch for you if you want us to. And you can always go out and propagate our formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. So I did come across something rather interesting, and I actually have to prop Miss Mickey for catching it. I'd seen the I'd seen the news. I'd followed it for two days, and then uh, she said, "You know, there's something going on here." And this is the power outage in India, uh, and this was pretty big. 
this power outage. You know, six, yes, it was. 600 million people without power. Plus, yeah. yeah. And, of course. And, by, and by the way, you got to think about this. Now, of course, not to jump what you're going to say, but, you know, there is a new TV show coming out about this. Ooh, so. ooh, ooh, what's the TV show? No, I didn't this know this. This is J.J. Abrams' new show. It's called Revolutions or something. I can't remember. Somebody oh, in the chat room will know that. And, 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 and what is it about? What's the. The what's world the gets. Sh- the electricity in the world stops working. Excellent. <laughs> now, well, I don't know how far you'd go to promote something like this, but if in terms you blow up the Indian power grid because you get a lot of publicity for the idea. Mm-hmm. But you got to think about. Well, there's the a couple situ- things. There's a couple well, I things. I just want people to think about you're in an elevator. How about on these trains, man? We got people hanging off. and it's, You're in a train. Oh, my goodness. You're in a subway. Uh, and it's dark and it's stopped. You're, and on the, like, you're on the operating table. <laughs> right here on the just yeah. just you know as as, a, as something you could mention well they did say that most small businesses and uh, probably hospitals in this part of india are so used to brownouts and blackouts that they all have generators right. yeah but for us you know even if you have a generator or some other alternative uh, power source the internet's not going to work that's that's going to be down yes yeah so this or at least in that area so of course, we have a problem with India, and the problem is uh, no one listens, no one gives a crap about us there. We have one producer, I think, right? One? Who's yeah, a- and I think he lives here. Yeah, you'd make it even and we better. we guilted him into yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah, And we did get one show. Uh, yeah. 500 rupees, I think, King Cash, which yeah. I still have, which I think is four bucks. So we really don't know a lot, and we don't get a lot of feedback, so I just read around as much as I could. And uh, I got a report from Reuters, and this uh, is from the power secretary who stated the following. Because, uh, you know, of course, the people are saying, oh, you know, this is uh, the grid is no good, and there, there's, there's not enough power, and uh, this is kind of what I latched onto initially. But he says, the hype that states are overdrawing is the reason for the collapse is not right. He says it's too early to say exactly what happened. When the grid collapsed, the frequency was 50.2 hertz, which is normal. Had states been overdrawing, the frequency would have dropped well below that level. So I'm like, huh, okay. Uh, Good point. Now, Mickey said, Ms. Mickey, who has been on the road with me too long, clearly, she says, you know, maybe this was some kind of test to see how people would react. I'm like, okay, maybe. Well, I did find that on the exact same day, the first, you know, the full, the the first part of the outage came. The Turkmenistan uh, president uh, took the uh, Tapi Pipeline Roadshow uh, on the road to promote the. Uh, this is the Turkmenistan, Afghanistan, Pakistan, India pipeline, which is clearly needed in order for them to have the natural gas to. Uh, uh, create enough electricity for all of the slaves there. So I'm like, okay, that that's kind of interesting. You know, this this there could be something to it that uh, you know they they you know it's like, hey, you want to be without power? You you don't want to hurry this along? You got to get Pakistan more on board. We got to build this thing. You know, we got to drone all the people who are trying to stop progress as we go through uh, Waziristan in uh, in western Pakistan. But maybe, possibly, I couldn't find too much else. But then. Then I took a glance, uh, again, a glance at uh, C-SPAN, and uh, there was a huge debate going on uh, in uh, on the Hill about the cyber bill, the cyber security bill, 
And I, and I, 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 yeah, I pulled a couple of clips. Now these clips are just by themselves are amazing, but I'm going to wind it up with uh, Harry Reid, who of course is the douche of all douches. Uh, this is Mark Udall. I think he's from Colorado, actually, uh, about the uh, cyber bill and uh, how. We, now, remember, we've we've read through a version of this. Uh, no one has seen the version they're actually debating on, and I'll get to that in a second. First, uh, Mark Udall on uh, how important it is. It is as if we see the danger in front of us, but yet we cannot find the courage to face it. But Congress cannot afford to wait for a 9-11 sized attack in order to act. Now, let me ask you a question. How can, I mean, is a cyber attack going to bring down buildings? Are, you know, are planes going to fall out of the sky? Will people be jumping out of windows to their death? And, I mean, is that, how do, how do I equate a, a, a cyber 9-11 to a 9-11 sized attack? You know, this I is, think it's doable. <laughs> it's going to bring, you explain it? Please. You know when those buildings came down? Yeah. A lot of bank records disappeared. Right. Well, I, I understand. That was all that was apparently important. I understand that. And so the cyber attack would take out the bank records. The same thing. But but he's... Oh, yeah, people die in the 9-11 thing. But that, we're not talking about that. The oh, whole thing's okay. about banks. Oh, okay. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Makes sense. Good one, by the way. Another track we got to follow. Waiting for a catastrophic act something that military and intelligence leaders and a bipartisan collection of national security experts are warning us against is the exact opposite of leadership and the exact opposite of what our constituents expect us to do here. Ooh, okay, so now this is this is very scary because it's 9-11-like and uh, uh, we're all going to die. Then we get uh, Grassley and he starts to unfold some very interesting information about what I thought they were now discussing this uh, Cybersecurity Act of 2012, which we have read, but we haven't read what they're actually talking about, uh, nor have they. The bill before us was introduced 13 days ago, and it was only pending on the floor for four days before the motion for cloture was filed. It didn't go through the normal committee process. Uh It wasn't debated or amended. They said it was brought straight (laughs) to the floor, and we're being forced to consider under a very right schedule. Talking about the danger of cyber attacks for years isn't the same as discussing the impact of the actual text of the bill, which could become law. The words on the 212 pages of the bill are what must be analyzed and analyzed in detail. By the Curry Dvorak Consulting Group. In fact, no one except a handful of senators actually knows what the bill says or might say. And of course, that's a process. That How do you like that? They don't know uh, what it says. He admits it. Yeah. Senate. Uh, I thought they had assistants to read these things and brief them on. No, they, it hasn't even been released. They've just been. Oh, they go right. They've been hiding the it. Yeah. Accomplishes or at least tries to accomplish. We need full process, and unfortunately, that has not happened, and it doesn't look like it will happen. And why won't it happen? Because the majority leader has limited debate. This week, we were told that a group of senators and their staff were working on a compromise. Again, that's something that all of us as a body don't know much about. We need an open debate in order to process this as opposed to huddled backroom meetings. 
So huddled backroom meetings, that's how it's all being done by the most transparent government in the universe, uh, exactly as uh, you'd expect it to be. Uh, uh, paperwork that has been put in 13 days ago, I haven't seen it, it's not available. Uh, it's all been secret, uh, so I'm sure it's not what we've read previously, but I will keep my eyes out for the uh, new version of the bill. And then we get Harry Reid, Mr. Meme Fest, who will, uh, of course, uh, re-invoke uh, the 9-11 and tell you why it is so important, so incredibly important to pass this legislation now. My perspective, I'd say about a three. Keep in mind, one is totally unprepared, Ten is totally prepared. Three is what he said. One of the country's top national security experts gave us three out of ten, a failing grade by any standard. He went on to say the type of cyber attacks that could black out the United States for weeks or months. Oh, a cyber attack that could black out the United States for weeks or months. How, the, your timing is uncanny. We're up to 17-fold in the last three years. The nation's top security experts have said a cyber 9-11 is imminent. 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 It's oh, happening. I wish I had known you had this because I would have dug up that old clip from two or three years ago where uh, Feinstein was at the front of the Congress and she had all these experts. She had the <laughs> yeah. you know, headed. Sorry, head of naval, uh, national intelligence, head of naval uh, intelligence, head of military, everything. And is a cyber attack or is a, another 9-11 attack imminent? Yeah, I remember in the that next clip. Six months. I remember that clip. I can I, I can and, look for it. I can, and they all said yes. Oh yeah, oh, absolutely, <laughs> definitely. It's going to happen any minute. And how long ago was this? This is a couple of years ago, two three years ago. Let me see. If, uh, imminent. Maybe I just get lucky. Let me see if imminent pops up. Uh, no, I don't think I'm going to get lucky. Yeah. Anyway, let me continue with Reed because he really lays it out. And they say frailties in our defenses against these attacks are most urgent. They're a threat to our national security. Nothing is more important. So it was with disappointment. By the way, nothing is more important. This is Nothing's a, more nothing, important. Nothing. This guy's such a douchebag. You know, this bill is obviously covering up probably some more ways of spying Whoa, on the public. Oh, yeah, getting- oh, yeah. Stay tuned. Last night, I filed cloture on legislation to reinforce our defenses. What is cloture exactly? That's a procedure, I guess. That uh, that's a procedure to, to make it so you can't do a filibuster <laughs> in the Senate floor. It's a procedure to ram something through, is what you're saying. Well, you can't. Mm. Yeah. You can, yeah, yeah, you can't do it with the way it's structured right now. You, he's, I don't know what he's talking about. Defense no. against these malicious attackers. Some are countries. Some are organizations, some are individuals. Ooh, countries, organizations, and individuals, John. National wow. security experts have been plain about the urgent need to act. Urgent need to they act. They say the question is not whether to act, but whether we will act in time. <laughs> in time. <laughs> run for the run for the exits. <laughs> One need only look at the headlines and papers all over America today, all over the world today. As we speak... 600 million people in India mm-hmm. are without electricity. Mm-hmm. Okay, good catch. Mm-hmm. Give them a douchebag, will you please? Oh, absolutely. Douchebag. I'm telling you, how about Stuxnet, baby? How about they said, you know what, we got to pass this thing, we got to ram it through, fire up Stuxnet, uh, work on the SCADA controllers, bring her down. It's entirely possible. He's got like another 30 seconds, which is worth listening to. Yes. Now... It's not believed there was any terrorism involved in that. However, I'm leaving that open-ended. It's believed it relates to 
the unusual weather. Unusual weather. No, that's not what the secretary said. He didn't say anything of the kind, in fact. Probably many experts say on global warming. Oh, I'm sorry. It's global warming. Yes. Let's just throw that in there. Why not, Reed? Never had such heat in India, which has put a tremendous burden on their fragile. It's not fragile. Power system. Power system. This legislation that we're trying to finish here, Madam President, has been worked on for years. Oh, yeah, sure. Worked on for years. Bullcrap. Bullcrap and... Douchebag. So, um, I did clip show... I got one more clip here. This is the... Uh, actually, I think this is a pretty good outfit. By the, the way, since we were talking about India, I did JC at Buzzkill Jr. to come in to tell us that it works our, I think we have around 3,000 active producers. We have four that are Indian. Oh, so it's okay. not one. Oh, all right. It's not one. So that is 0.01%. That's it's great. Four. Four. <laughs> and we want to thank them profusely. Yeah. So there's this outfit, the Center for Democracy and Technology, uh, which I think might actually be a, a, a 5013C Corp that is good. Um, I haven't been able to find anything nasty. The, uh, What's the name of them again? It is the Center for Democracy and Technology. And they're working on some amendments to the cybersecurity bill. And uh, it's not so much the amendments, but he was on uh, the Washington Journal, which is that call-in show that our producers never call into and say in the morning, but they should. I don't understand why we can't get him to do that. Because it's a great show. And uh, he mentioned something that I didn't even know. For those of you using Gmail or Hotmail, you might want to listen to this little ditty. Well, certainly um, privacy is challenged by advance. So, of course, he's talking about the cybersecurity bill, as he knows it, where companies uh, will be allowed to share your information with the government just in case, you know, you might be some kind of terrorist. Um, uh, but, of course, they will be indemnified from doing so. So you can't sue the company like Google or Yahoo or Microsoft for uh, sharing your private information with the government. This isn't technology. But the answer to that problem is not to throw up our hands, but rather to make sure that the laws keep up with technology. Um, one of the amendments that the Senate may consider is one to update the Electronic Communications Privacy Act. Right now, under that law, if an email message is sitting in your inbox for more than 180 days, it's available to the government with a subpoena. Most people don't know that. They think that the government has to go to a court and get an order and prove probable cause to a judge. Um, we're trying to update that statute. Did you know that? No, but I wish they'd go get my old AOL box, which has got to be more than 180 days old and filled with so much spam. It would be great. So so this is a perfect storm. Dvorak at AOL. I never use it, by the way, so don't send me an email there, but there it is. So if it's been in your inbox, i.e. in your Googles, in your Gmails. Yeah, because people don't erase their inbox. They're encouraged to exactly, keep them Exactly, to keep it just searchable. And it's all indexed for the Fed's convenience. Yeah, boom. <laughs> See if there's any references here to the uh, bombing. To the bombing? No, I mean, that's what you'd look up, bombing. Bombing? Bombing. Bombing of what? No, I don't, just anything. You'd look up bombing. If I was a Fed and oh, I got your email, uh, but okay. I would type in search. The first thing i type in would be bombing. How about fertilizer? Try fertilizer. That's a, I would that's probably a, do that you probably next, You probably have some fertilizer. I start at the email. top. Bombing, assassination. Are you searching? You know, I go your... with the top searches, and then you go down. You drill down. Do you Even s- though you know they discovered this is, I wrote a column about this. Apparently, college students don't know how to use Google. Oh? 
the whole country has deteriorated in its ability to do a simple search. Oh. So I'm assuming the feds don't know how to do it either. They won't oh. put bombing in there. Okay. Um, did you, uh, do you still have AOL uh, floppy disks? Okay, well, this you'll think is silly. Although I have to say, I'm not absolutely sure where the collection is, but I made a collection of all of the ones I could. All the pretty colors? Over time, because I figure at some point it's got to go into the Smithsonian. <laughs> you are a hoarder, aren't you? It's, it's, it's official. It's official. Borderline hoarder. It's bad. <laughs> That's good, though, man. We need people like you. Archivist. I need some. I need some. Yeah, I'm not a hoarder. You're I'm an archivist. archivist. <laughs> yeah, try that on Mimi. Yeah, it's an archivist. So there was a, uh, well, let me just stick on the hill for a second. Um, because uh, douchebag douche Reed brought up the global warming. Uh, Inhofe. Uh, got up and he just he just said something that just kind of tickled tickled me when I heard him. Uh, I I didn't know he was uh, he was like this. Oh, I guess I did, but I didn't know he actually went up and said it in a different state. Uh, talking about uh, being somewhat critical of my position on global warming, which everybody knows I've been involved in for some twelve years since uh, the Kyoto Treaty was never, which was never before us. Uh, nonetheless, I appreciated the fact that we had a chance to to resurrect that issue because, to my knowledge, nobody has uttered the term global warming since 2009. <laughs> I love how he does this. <clears throat> yeah, nice. It's been completely uh, refuted by, uh -huh. by in most areas. Yep. But I'm pleased, I was pleased to hear my good friend from Vermont uh, talking about it because he and I have a very honest relationship with each other, but a total disagreement. And we're able to go over those things. And then again today, Two things happened. First of all, we had the senator, the senior senator from Massachusetts, came down to the floor and and was uh, uh, somewhat quite critical of of, uh, of me and though anyone who is a skeptic. <laughs> a I think it's, um, it's important to realize that to understand, so you understand when when we're talking, what we're referring to. Those people who really believe that the world's coming to an end because <laughs> of global warming, and that's all due to man-made anthropogenic gases. Uh, we call those people alarmists. Uh, those people my, like myself who has looked at it very carefully and have come to the conclusion that that isn't happening. Uh, now watch him wrap it up. And that the, uh, the, the fact that, the, or the assertion that uh, global warming is occurring today and it's occurring because of the release of CO2 and anthropogenic gases, methane and, and such as that, uh, that's that's not a uh, it, 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 those people are it's really a hoax which I said way back in 2003 and this became Bring quite a charge to a lot of people a Bring hoax that is uh, the the fact that all this is happening is due to man-made gases I really believe it's the greatest hoax ever perpetrated in the American people <laughs> hey man hey hey the science is in science and meanwhile, we've got uh, another guy out there doing the rounds, Richard Muller, who is a former client, client, a climate denier, a denouncer, denialist. He's flipped sides. Yeah, yeah. I know. This is big news. Yeah, but, uh, but I caught him. I figured, I figured out what this is all about. Okay. Uh, he was on, uh, now I did not watch this, but someone sent me the clip. He was on the Rachel Maddow show. And she's just delighted, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, he's flip sides. 
And it's so obvious the guy is still a complete shill. Given what you see in the correlation between carbon dioxide and temperatures, do you think that the the level of reduction we'd have to have in carbon dioxide is so great so in order to great. affect temperature that it would have to be a global economic shock? Or would we, would we be able to reduce carbon dioxide in a way that you think could be economically sustainable but would still oh, really oh, affect uh, temperature? I think there are two key things that we can do. Uh, one of them is a, a global effort towards energy efficiency and conservation. I right. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's, we should do that anyway. It's realistic. But the biggest thing is, and, and, and this, this will be controversial, <laughs> the biggest thing is a switch away from coal and to the one thing that can replace it. Oh, oh. God, let me guess. What, 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 what? Natural gas. In the poor countries, which are going to produce most of the carbon dioxide, i.e. India, Pakistan, China, natural gas. There you go. There you go. The guy's clearly a shill for the industry. Yeah, he's working for T-Bone Pickens. Yeah, or still for the Koch brothers, whatever. One of them. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's all a scam. Yeah. These guys are just a bunch of money grubbers. That was a good one. Not quite quick clip of the day worthy yet, but... Hardly. No. So uh, the one, uh, there was a study that was done. I heard, I didn't get a clip of it, but I, I, I thought, man, I asked twice about it. It was that important. Uh, but NPR and the News Hour, they had this, because uh, you mentioned poor countries. Yeah. They, they, apparently some huge report came out. It was a big deal. They've spent tons of money to find out that in, that in uh, poor neighborhoods, most of the people that live there are low income. Yeah. And in rich neighborhoods, yeah. most of the people that live there are higher above median income. Now, this is a, a, a $17 million report, an accompanying website that they use to uh, come up with this uh, Apparently, amazing yes. information. <laughs> yeah, it was it was stunning. And they took all, they gave it a whole block on wow. the news hour wow. discussing this. And it was like, wow, yeah, there's a, there's a, no <laughs> diversity anymore. Really? And it's not about race anymore. It's about income, income. disparity. Income, yeah. Oh, I love we it. We switched from, so then, so the meme awesome. is to get us, to get it. There's two memes I've been noticing going around. One is that one, which is racism doesn't mean anything anymore. You know, hence Obama doesn't need to help the black people. Yeah. By the way, which I think is the underlying reason for that. Uh-huh. Because, you know, he's done nothing for nothing. the black community. No. And the other meme I keep running into is that people shouldn't be going to college. <laughs> no. They I'm, should be I'm, going to community colleges. And and trade school. In fact, I'll have a I'll have a special long kind of a breakout of a of a rehearsed bit that was on the CBS morning show with Charlie Rose and some other people and it was and it was promoting this idea. Yeah, people should well trade school is going to be the next thing, but right yeah. now it's community colleges. And this of course is you know the reason for this, a basic reason so we can educate uh, foreign nationals in our big universities. Yeah, because they got the money. That's, that's, they got the money, yeah. and they also set up shop overseas. And they got cash. American they got Warfare. cash. Yeah. They got cash. You know, they no got no cash. loans, just cash. Beautiful cash. Yeah, so it makes anyway. a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. By the way, but while you're on the topic of the global warming, I do have a clip. Hmm, okay. Uh, the And I got it. It's the new normal clip, which is at the bottom of the list. Yeah. And this was, I'm just watching this report about the drought and this idiot comes in and here we go again. Of the soybean crop is rated very poor to poor. 66% of the nation's hay fields are in drought. So is 73% of the cattle land. 
this could be the new normal in the United States. And so we need to plan ahead because we know, and the science tells us, that under a changing climate, droughts will be more frequent and more intense across the United States. The NRDC says 60% of the states have no such plans. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. We we know. By the way, didn't we hear plans. this when Katrina hit? Yeah, oh yeah. That the oh, new yeah. normal was going to be these massive hurricanes wiping out or just ruining these uh, cities down by in the Gulf area. Yeah. It was a new normal. So that to me the new normal is there's always a new normal. Well, I'll tell you what the new normal is and this is more your neck of the woods. And uh I I've been reading reports about this for going on now yeah, this is the second week about the militarized cops in Anaheim, which I think is also part of the new normal. Have you followed this story at all? What's been going yeah, on? Yeah, I followed a little bit of it, but you obviously have yeah, something. Yeah, no, I have, I have a clip. Um, so the way I understand it, the, uh, the cops tried to apprehend, maybe stop and frisk, um, a citizen of, uh, of Anaheim, California. That's where Disneyland is. The happiest place on earth. And uh, so he ran away, and they shot him in the back of the head, and they killed him. Yeah. And uh, a lot we know of that, yeah. and a lot of residents saw this happen. Uh, they had they got it on their cell phones, and they're like, "Hey, this is bull crap." You know, you, this is this is you know, it's not just police brutality; it's police killing and so murder. Yeah, murder. So they stage a protest, and the cops come out. John, except for the word "police" on their uniform, they're soldiers. They've got like just amazing hardware that they're and they, even in camos like 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 they're getting ready to go to Afghanistan. <laughs> I mean, what, what, you need camouflage uh, on the streets of Anaheim. Here's the report: chaos and violence in the streets of Anaheim. Anaheim police firing rubber bullets confront a crowd of terrified children, parents, and angry residents near La Palma and Acacia. Then one officer unleashes a snarling police dog, which attacks a mother holding her child and this bystander. Yeah, by the way, this is video you've got to see in the show notes, 430.nashownotes.com. It's rough, man. This dog just jumps. There's a mom sitting on a lawn chair with her baby, and this dog just, like, attacks. They just started shooting him. I was with my son, and they, the dog just came. This is the man that was on the floor. Talk about what happened. They just released the dog and I had my baby. And my, and my, um, <laughs> and my stroller and the dog just scratched me with his teeth and then just grabbed me. It all started around 4 o'clock this afternoon when police shot this man, known in the community as Stomper. Police say he was one of three men who took off running when they approached him earlier in the afternoon. What exactly happened during the shooting, we don't know. We're still investigating that. But the shooting occurred and the... Uh yeah, of, of course we don't know. ...was taken to a local hospital. But neighbors who saw the shooting say police overreacted. Then they confronted the officers, demanding answers. That's when the pandemonium broke out. We just started shooting. Again. No, we don't have no guns. Nothing. I just got scared. I just saw a water bottle get thrown in the air. They just started shooting everyone. They shot a little kid soon. 
And back live once again, you're looking west on La Palma. This is where police have just broken up a small protest where some citizens had set up a dumpster fire and even shut down the street. Now, out here, there were dozens of people who had their cell phones, and at least four different people told me that police officers offered to buy their video from them without any explanation. Of course, that's all part of this investigation as it continues to develop out here in Anaheim. So did you, by now, have you Googled any pictures of these cops? I'm sorry. Have you Googled any pictures of these cops? The way they look. Oh yeah, no, I've seen. I know I saw that part. Yeah, it's terrible. But is it, uh, what are we getting for? Um, um, mar- well, I think we need law? no fly zone over Anaheim right <laughs> yeah, now. That's right. President Obama should be calling for that. An Anaheim no fly no, this zone. This is the police. This is a police state. Yeah. And this is the. This is what you see. You. I mean, it's, it would surprise anybody that put up with this crap with the law. I mean, I've been to. Uh, I forgot what it was in some town just casually and there was a there was a small local parade and the parade in the parade there was a uh uh the SWAT team from this is a little town because they got they get all this federal money right and so they're they're told to buy all this equipment so they buy SWAT tanks and tanks tanks. and there was a little tank that went by and all these people in the town they got their flags American flags and they're cheering because they're (laughs) idiots (laughs) yay just don't beanbag me, bro. Yeah, it's really well, bad. I think that there's. I think they're gearing up. I mean, the, the way the, we we on the last episode we heard that the feds are taking over police departments. They're telling them to get all this militarized gear. I mean, what are we waiting for? Is there something coming? This is like um, who was it? To Kelly Keisling or Keisling, Republican in the Tennessee State Legisla- Legislature. Forwarded an email, a crackpot email, by the way, which was which we've heard for a long time. Unbelievable election rumor. The rumor in question states that Obama and the Department of Homeland Security are planning a, quote, series of events that may lead to martial law being imposed to delay the election. Yeah. <laughs> which, by the way, we heard. They don't uh, need to do that. Yeah. We heard <laughs> this with uh, George W. Bush as well. The same. Uh, yeah, they the had that one, and they're going to crown themselves king. Yeah, the is one but the Department of Homeland Security does have 400 million rounds of hollow-point bullets that they ordered. You know, so That's not for target practice. I wonder if they did over the Internet. So, uh, <laughs> so there's, this thing, so there's this thing called the home, the Homeland Security Grant Program. You can find it in the Wikipedia, yeah. Yeah. and it is part of, uh, uh, let's see, it's called, what is this called? Stone Garden Funds. Ooh, love and it. And Anaheim got a big chunk of it. Uh-huh. So they built up this military. You, you, put, you put a military in your little town, and what are you going to get? Yeah, military you get action. Military. You might as well. Yeah. I mean, it's like an invasion. Yeah, it's not good. But meanwhile, something that you alerted me to, I'm going to say two years ago, two years ago, on this very program, sometimes known as... The best podcast in the universe. The war on mail comes to a head. Dennis Kucinich, crackpot Democrat, comes out on the House floor and is P.O.'d. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 7 of the U.S. Constitution gives Congress the responsibility to establish and ensure operation of the Postal Service. Today, August 1st, 2012, 234 years after the Constitution was ratified, Congress is presiding over the disestablishment of the Postal Service. Today, a manufactured default created by congressional legislation is pushing, pushing the Postal Service to the brink. Today, the Postal Service will not make a payment that it should have never had to make in the first place to pay for uh, 
for pre-funding 75 years of retiree health benefits in 10 years, a manufactured default encouraged by banks and other interest groups, a move towards privatization of one of America's most vital services. You know, the, the, the Congress has a responsibility to stand up. But here in the USA, under Citizens United, everything is up, for, uh, is up for auction, including the Postal Service. Wake up, America. Universal Service is on the line. Wake up, America, and stand up for the Constitution, 575,000 Postal Service workers, and our obligation to the American people to see to it that the Postal Service is rescued from those who want to push it into default or privatize it for their own problems. time's expired. <laughs> yeah, he's, we got him out anyway. Yeah, matter. let's get rid of yeah. that guy. You didn't cause in trouble. You didn't get my joke, by the way, my PO joke. Oh, PO. Yeah, I was. Yeah, good. I didn't. You're right. Yeah. I get it now. Yeah, thought it was good. Now that you telegraphed me the punchline. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Seventy five years to get a pre fund. This thing is a scam. Years. I was thinking about this. You know, think it because of an earlier report that you just gave us on the uh, how they can just go look at Google Mail and whatever. Yeah. You know, the U.S. Postal, Postal Service, and we have a, a, we're looking at a scam right now that the Bank of America is trying to pull on us. Who's we? And me and Mimi. Oh, okay. And, but we'll report on that later, but, uh, after we make a fuss about it in a certain way. Okay. But the point is, is that the banks have been doing this, uh, they send you something by mail and then they make all these claims. And then when they send you something by, then they'll send you something by FedEx. Which would be illegal if they send it by mail. Oh, because the mail, yeah, because you can't you that you can't tamper with the mail. No, it's not tampering. It's also uh, wire fraud. You can't make oh, fraudulent wire fraud. offers. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't make that. fraudulent offers or phony deals on oh, in the U.S. mail. Oh boy, yeah, that's so, oh okay, that makes sense. They're really going to go all out now. Yeah, so let's get rid of the mail because it's got all these barriers to scamming the public out of all, every the last cents of the, the the last dollar in their wallet. You can't scam them over the mail anymore. You never could, but you can over FedEx because FedEx right, will deliver anything right. to you. So um, now the one thing that's important to, to note here is that the Postal Service is actually in the Constitution, right? This is a big deal. Yeah, it is. And that's the that's the, the fly in the ointment. Right, because this is not like other countries where it's constitutional. Uh, uh, it's constitutional. What's the word I'm looking for? It's it's part of the law of the land that we have the U.S. Postal Service, and that's, I guess, so that you know you, your mail can't be tampered with. You can't commit uh, wire fraud uh, or mail fraud. Right, and you can have it's cheap communication, and you have a, yeah cheap communication which is private, and so now, and, and I'm sure. You know, he's, uh, Kucinich is saying, you know, uh, privatized for their own benefit. Sure, I'm sure that's true. But at the same time, it goes much further. Yeah, it is another step toward a pure police state where you, where by everything you do, you can't, I can't even send you a, a private letter that is just not looked at because everything now is open for the government <laughs> uh, snoops. I mean, just everyone will be snooping on everything. Cool. You might as well just give up. I mean, when, when you close the post office down. So uh, I guess they defaulted on their payment. They said, fuck it, we're not paying anymore. Yeah. Well, and like Christina said, it was a phony payment to begin with. They created a, a situation. They made them pay 75 years in advance, pre-funded <laughs> retirement. How do you do that? Yeah. Well, you've been saying it for years. I've heard you talking about this on this very program. 
Yes, I have. And you, yeah. every, like, I think two or three shows ago, you mocked me for it. I've never mocked you for it. I've never mocked you for it. I've always been well, in maybe awe. Maybe it was your, Horowitz. Somebody. Thank you. I've always been in awe of your prowess. And and, <laughs> the, and, 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 and the fact that you just confused me with Horowitz hurts. That's a sting. I don't know. I'm going to have to listen to the last show. That's a sting, man. I can't believe you said that. I'm sorry. I apologize. By the way, tell Horowitz, Curry was right. Facebook. It's going to be a $17 stock. I was right. I said within seven. Five. You're way off. I said 17 I know. I'm saying seven. You're saying seven? No, I, th- no, I think intrinsically it's worth 17 What is it now? Oh, what is no, it today? Some guy did the math on this. It's seven. That's what the stock is worth. What is it today? I don't know. Because I eight. said I said within five months, eight. <laughs> eight. It's an eight. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to look it up. I don't I, care. It was so funny. I was. I listened to like a douche. I listened to the uh, before we left. I listened to the the investor call. You know, I love investor calls. Uh, it's a twenty right now. Um, and uh, and Cheryl, what's her name? Side Sideberg, Sidewinder. What's her I name? I don't know. The COO of Facebook. Oh, I don't know. Cheryl. Cheryl. So at a certain point, she congratulates Martha on her appointment as CEO of Yahoo. You mean Melissa? She says Martha, not Melissa? She says Martha. Martha? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I didn't have time to go back and get a recording. Oh, that's a great one. But it's in there. Yeah, and and I want to congratulate Martha on her her, uh, position at Yahoo. Like, really? I mean... Uh, my good pal Martha. My good buddy Martha. <laughs> when we did the the, 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 the executive producer, did we remind people to go to Dvorak.org slash NA? I don't Dvorak. think so. Dvorak.org slash NA. We did not. I apologize. That was bad of me, and now we will uh, not do well. So I am looking at uh, NBC again. Good. Someone's got to. Yeah. So they're they're opening up. Let me just do a, a little medley of clips. Okay, they're opening up in London. Uh, Brian Williams. There's a drought going on, but the, he has to go to London, obviously, just to keep promoting this idiotic Olympics because NBC is just up to their their ears in this crap. But play start off at the beginning so we get a feeling for what's going on and how. The big story's not even in London, but played nightly news in London. Tonight, we thought that was him. The -the over-the-top mayor of London gets stuck over the top (laughs) of the crowd. Nightly news from London begins now. Attention, real news coming your way, slaves. This is very important. Look at Boris Johnson's crotch. NBC Nightly News with Brian Williams. Reporting tonight from the Olympic Summer Games in London. And good evening once again from this global gathering here in London, where tonight, just as quickly, we turn our sights right back to the U.S., specifically well, the uh, crippling and history-making drought we're in the midst of. Why are, we in why, London? why are you in why London? Why are they in London? I love, Go back to the United States. So, so, I was going so to say, say, I love how everyone is routing around NBC, setting up uh, proxy servers and VPNs. Screw those guys. Yeah. You created a bug by trying to... Pr- this is why I have so much faith in the open network that is the Internet. They just, you know, like, oh, we're going to block everything. No, you're not, bitches. No way. You can't do that. It's not possible anymore. Anyway. So I'm watching this thing, and this is, to me, I'm thinking, this is a news organization. And everybody else, I mean, listen mostly now to... Uh, uh, Van Katz and, uh, yes. and to, to Euro pol- News. And, to but polish I do up watch your this. French, yeah. 
so yeah, well, so I can say it twenty-five different ways. So, so I, this is a news organization. This clip is Brian Williams now safe to rejoin us. He he's talking about the Olympics, and he instead of giving us the news, he plays this silly game with the audience. For our host nation here, the UK Team GB, Kevin Tipples, thanks. And as these games progress, the medal counts are climbing. And if for you, just seeing the overall medal count would be a spoiler of any kind, look away now for just a moment. We'll just show you the tally so far. For the top five nations, here is where we stand <laughs> going into tomorrow's competition. Ah, yeah, and as we wrap up tonight, it's now safe to rejoin us. And still ahead it's as we now, continue. Wait, is what he yeah, says? It's now safe to rejoin it's us. It's now safe. Was it dangerous? Yes. It's, it's How highly, is it now safe? It's highly dangerous. Is it, how's it now safe to rejoin? It's now safe. It's you now, can look at the screen again, yes. stupid Come back, slaves. stupid slave. Shut up, slave. While we're on that, if I can just interject a quick little clip. About the Olympics, about the bogative, bogus nature of all of this coverage. This is from NPR. This is the sound designer. Now we, now John and I are, are big audio guys, and, and we love uh, uh, dissecting reports. How audio is like, for instance, you hear this plane overhead right now. I mean, if I were to um, uh, produce this program and make it sound like I'm being attacked by Japanese zeros, I would put that in and fake <laughs> it. Uh, this actually is real. And it could happen. But here's the sound designer for the Olympics. He also did the 2008 uh, Beijing Olympics. Uh, and about what you're hearing is fake. Uh, let's hear one of the probably the most challenging things uh, that anybody could record. This is rowing. And rowing, I should mention, to capture rowing by video, you have to follow the crew uh, from a helicopter. This is uh, from the Atlanta Games in 1996. This is what it sounded like. And in the semifinal, they were 0.04 of a second behind France, the fastest qualifier. Now, Romania still hits Australia, still by about a canvas. Okay, as I say, 1996, Atlanta, you mostly hear a helicopter. Let's listen to the Beijing uh, rowing event uh, from 2008. Uh, this is what it sounded like. Okay, you actually hear uh, the sounds of the oars in the water, that rowing sound. How did you do that? Uh, I did Atlanta as well, and it was the only time I got a call from my boss, Manolo Romero. But he said, all I hear is noise. I hear motor noise. And he just said, fix it. So I took my portable DAT recorder out to the lake, and we followed different boaters, and we basically you know, recorded the micro sound and then put it up into a sampler. Now, that was the first time that had ever really been done, and using samplers in, in rowing has become standard because of the fact rowing is covered by four or five chase boats and a helicopter. So, so, your so you're not hearing the actual sound. It's the sound from some other game, some other match. And just sampling it, just so, so you get the illusion that you're actually watching this great coverage. Yeah. And what's funny is this report is the crappiest sound ever. It's pretty bad. <laughs> that, that, that's what got yeah, me. There's a couple of things here. I mean, when you're in the studio and sometimes you get to go into a uh, voice room or something to do some yeah. voiceover, they, yeah. they'll often catch, they'll do what, they'll capture ambience. Yeah. Uh, so they wild can put sound, it behind wild you. Sound, wild sound. Yeah, whatever yeah. you want. It depends on your producer, what they like calling it. Whatever the case is, they'll do that, and then they put that in, and that's phony baloney. But to me, this whole thing is like people make a huge fuss, and if people who saw our newsletter notice that we have the Photoshop version of a oh, picture yeah, of Syria. with the background of, you know, they've moved it. It's a wag the dog 
perfect example that we know has been going on in Syria. And we, you know, it's in there. And it's, it, it didn't get a lot of play in the American press. Of course it not. Get some, it, it, of course Duh. not. But it seems to me that there's no difference between these phony sounds of the rowing, which they really don't have the actual sound of, and photoshopping a picture. No. It's, What's it, the difference? It's all part of programming the slaves, my friend. Of course. There's no difference either. I actually, I have a... I don't want to. Maybe we'll play it as end of show clip. There's this Dutch journalist who. Um, well, actually, it's on Anderson Pooper. I should play this because here's a. I think I don't know him personally, but here's probably a Dutch journalist who has uh, unwill, unwittingly uh, been co-opted into uh, a, a setup. And if you listen to the beginning of the report, now what happened is he uh, he snuck across the border, wanted to get into Syria. He was then immediately uh, taken hostage by what he calls jihadists. But the whole report is meant to uh, for him to say, oh, yeah, al-Qaeda's in, uh, in Syria. That's what this is for, and Anderson Pooper finally gets him there. But he starts off by, by blowing the whistle on what's actually happening, who these rebels are in Syria. We were brought into the country by a smuggler's ring, and we were following a, a well-known smuggler route. And, um, well, uh, after... Uh, being uh, into Syria for an hour, we kind of uh, were handed into a jihadist uh, movement. We were camping at, uh, at the very border. So the the people who were smuggling you into heavily edited, by the way, this to Syria accidentally brought you to this camp of jihadists. Who were the jihadists? Were the jihadists? Jihadists? Who were the jihadists? Were they actually any Syrians? The the, the majority of them were were foreign. Where uh-huh. were they from? Uh, they were from Africa, from Pakistan, Bangladesh, um, some guys from the UK. Did you instantly know you were in the... Some guys from the UK? That's probably Pakistanis. No, I th- I'm thinking it's uh, special forces. You think it's MI6? Yeah, special, or- special forces, special forces. I'm going to fast forward because Pooper just goes on and on and on. He's trying to get the guy to the point, you know, he gets shot at and he tries to escape. Yeah, I don't know why Pooper, this is, if you got a guy like this, you'd be developing what he has to say into some sort of scandal, but Pooper can't do that in CNN. Well, here he goes. They, they, they got hold of John. They shot him as well. Where were you shot? In the ass. I was shot in the, in the, in the thigh. Uh, and uh, John was uh, shot in his arm. Uh, miraculously, only in the thigh, only in your arm, because, I mean, they, they must have been shooting at least 20, 30 bullets. Uh, and- so clearly the guy was not meant to die. Uh, so, you know, they uh, just shot him, uh, just uh, winged him a little bit. Uh, every single one of us. You could have easily been killed. Easily. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, easily. At that point, I thought I would be killed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Were they Al-Qaeda? Oh! We actually discussed it with them. We said, like, well... What section are you guys? And I said, well, can't say too much about it, but we're not kind of, although we know they're down the road. Yeah. They said well, that Al-Qaeda's down the road. Al-Qaeda's down the road. Al-Qaeda's down the road, John. Time to go in, get to get some weaponry. And now that we know that uh, the president has uh, been providing covert support for uh, the Saudis and Qatar, this great nation of Qatar, the great, important, large nation of Qatar, who, of course, are actually in there and uh, causing the ruckus. Our third story out front, breaking news. CNN breaking has news. learned that President Obama is authorizing covert American support for the rebels in Syria. Aha. This comes as at least 170 people were killed in the streets today. 
according to an opposition group. It's important to always add that caveat. CNN's Elise Labatt is out yeah, front. Because uh, we don't have any actual news. We're just reading whatever the Pentagon tells us to. Tonight she broke that news. And Elise, what kind of support has the president authorized? Um, well, Aaron, we understand what it's called is a, a covert finding, an intelligence finding, which basically allows the CIA and other U.S. <laughs> intelligence agencies to provide support for the rebels. We have to be careful to note this is not military assistance oh, yeah. in the traditional <laughs> sense of... The CIA is providing sandwiches. Hey, boys, here's some sandwiches and some Band-Aids for you. Weapons. Would you like us to cut the crust off? <laughs> U.S. not ready to arm the rebels, leaving that to allies like Saudi Arabia and Qatar. But what it means is that the U.S. could provide clandestine assistance, intelligence. And as you see, you know, we understand this could have been in place for several months already. And we understand that the U.S. has been helping Saudi Arabia and Qatar vet some of these groups because one of the complaints is that the U.S. doesn't know who it would be arming. So they're trying to find how to get the weapons into the right hand. So, so this thing is a mess. I mean, we've got the administration doing stuff. We've got uh, everyone running around. It's a mess. I don't think uh, the Lucifer clippity-clop Clinton is on board with what the Obama administration is doing. Everyone's because, you know, she's just there to make sure the oil companies benefit and the gas companies. The whole thing is a mess. But it's a total mess. It's coming and down. Iran, Bahrain, there's hell breaking loose and nobody's even covering it. No. New York Times did pick it up, though, and they ran it in one of the papers this week. Well, yeah. Like, pays five. No, but they've, they've, of course, they got to do something. You know, to remain the New York Times, they got to at least make an effort. So I was kind of fascinated by the, ma- the, 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 the murder that took place when the uh, rebels grabbed a family of people and then executed them. Yeah, I missed and that one. Yeah, this just happened. This is a huge deal. In fact, if you want to get the background on it, play uh, human watch guy on war crimes with a martyr quote, which is good. Okay. The rest of the pictures are too shocking to show, but they include a pile of apparently... Why is it too shocking to show? Just gory. Dead bodies. Dead bodies. We showed the entire video this afternoon to Human Rights Watch and their senior legal advisor. What? It was funded by George Soros, I might add. What do you think we've just seen? It looks like what we've seen is execution of prisoners, and that will be a war crime. Who has done it, we don't know. Um, elements of the armed opposition, which have all gone by the name of FSA, mm. have certainly been committing some abuses over the last few months. We've documented that, but there seem to be many different groups involved. We've also, of course, documented many extensive abuses by the government and its forces for over a year now. In a separate video, this local commander of the opposition Free Syrian Army appears to give his version of events. Our forces were passing through here as the Shabiha were in this place, and then they started to fire on us, which led to the martyrdom of 15 of our men. And later in this video, the commander seems to confirm the prisoners they took were killed. Okay. So they took and butchered a bunch of guys, and of course this kind of screws up everything because it was really bloody and there was a bunch of videos of it. Of course, not none confirmed, but they look pretty typical. Meanwhile, the the France uh, TV station had this uh, little thing that nobody else had, and I don't even haven't been able to find too much about it, but it kind of explained it. And it's and and, and the clip is called the Barry Clan tidbit. Uh oh, it's right not at the top. Yeah, 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 I got it, I got it. Revenge against the Berry clan, a powerful family in Aleppo. Like most of the Syrian opposition, the Berry clan is Sunni, but unlike the rebels, the Berries have been pro-Assad for years. 
One of the men killed Tuesday was their leader, punished for recently joining the regime's army. Was she reporting through uh, the shortwave radio? That's what it sounds like. The Barry clan. So, uh, the Barry clan. So this what plan, is this? What is this Barry clan? This Blueberry plan, clan, the Redberry, the Blackberries? Well, it, I don't know. It may, it may have been saying fairy as far as I can tell. Whatever the case, nobody else talks about it. And I mean, even the News Hours has some other name for the group that was killed, murdered, butchered by the by the uh, Assad Free regime. Syrian Army. Oh, the Free, I'm sorry, Free FSA. No, it's the yeah. other side. You yeah, got yeah. it backwards. Yeah, well, I'm confused. So anyway, so these the, the good guys are the bad guys. But there's two things I noted. One was the they killed a guy who, from the Barry clan who was the head of the clan because he just joined the the uh, Assad army. Yeah. So I, now my understanding is everyone's bailing out of that side. Oh, well. So so I guess <laughs> we're not getting good coverage on that. And then the one the other one that got me was on that previous clip where the guys just the side we're on, by the way. The guy doesn't say that his men were killed. He no. says his men were martyred. Ah, which yes. Is subtle, subtle. There's, it's when, you st- when you're working with guys who say, oh, yes, they <laughs> martyred three of my men, you're dealing with some, some hardcore Islamists. Yeah. And, you know, this is the side we're on and this whole thing and with the Saudis who are a bunch of you know, two you know, two faced group if there ever was in terms of at least the way they handle the uh, the religious extremists. They they pay for all the religious mosques around the world that are all extremists, all salafists, even though they themselves and the royal family are not. But mm-hmm. they they know it's a good way to protect the family mm-hmm. uh, by creating this this problem. And we're on their and on that we're on side. Their of side. The we're argument. on their side. Yeah. Wow. This is what got us in the trouble in Afghanistan the first time when we were on the side of the Mujahideen. I can't even say it now. Mujahideen. The Mujahideen. Uh, and we, we outfitted the, the bin Ladens of the world with weapons. Yeah. I mean, what, what is the, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it, to me, it's, it's beyond baffling because I know that we have American interests here and there, but this seems like just corruption to me that, on the part of the American government. Well, kind of along those lines, uh, Hillary Clinton, I should probably play her jingle while we're at it, uh, since uh, it's always fun to make fun of her. Here we go. It's the message is clear. Just <laughs> so she's uh, got a message is clear uh, in this following clip as she was at the uh, religious uh, rights and freedom uh, presentation. And uh, there was a question and answer section uh, session afterwards, and uh, of course the we had a shill stand up from a new lobbying organization as she identified herself and uh, asked a very uh, poignant question. For fellow Arab countries, where this is not a problem, frankly. And then the, just a quick follow up question. I appreciate your emphasis on America, but we also have our problems here with respect to, of course, Islamophobia, which I'm sure you're very aware of, and I'm wondering whether you have any comments about this recent activity in Congress targeting one of your own aides. Okay, so first of all, we have the Islamophobia meme, which is uh, a loaded term. Yeah, let's drop that bomb. Yeah, well, of course, this woman's a shill. So uh, what will Lucifer answer? We get a blah, 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 edit. I love this country. I want to be a part of this country. I want to help build this country. I just hope I'm going to be able to. Now, she's still blah, blah. So it's at this point that leadership is incredibly important. 
leaders have to be active in stepping in and sending messages about protecting the diversity within their countries. And frankly, I don't see enough of that. Um, and I want to see more of it. I want to see more of it. And Notice she's starting to get emotional because, of course, she's talking about her girlfriend, Homa Abedin. We did see some of that in our own country. You know, we saw Republicans uh, stepping up and standing up against the kind of assaults that really have no place in our politics. So very interesting how she words this, because she's basically saying Republicans standing up against their own party, but really it was against the Intelligence Committee, who had just asked a couple questions about Homa Abedin, that is the correct pronunciation. And, uh, of course, this is about her girlfriend. You know, we, we know that they are lovers. And, uh, and you know, the, the, the whole Anthony Weiner wedding has been a sham. So, of course, she could only wrap it up by saying the following words. I have two words for you. Predator drones. There you go. Hello? <laughs> what was that? That wasn't her? No, th- really? <laughs> Really? It, 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 was this like a long, I, the long shaggy dog story? And this was like that was the punchline. Yeah, fail. Hold on a second. I have uh, a total fail. Epic fail. <laughs> Sorry. Epic fail. Well, some you could have worked. Oh. Uh, all right. I thought you had something that she said that was worth. No, she listening. said absolutely nothing. That was that was that was the whole <laughs> Apparently, point. Apparently, yeah. She said absolutely nothing. And by the way, talk about protecting diversity. Does that include the Anaheim police gunning down Latinos in, no, the, in no. the in the in the sitting in their quietly in their own neighborhoods, sticking the dogs on them? No, of course not. Of course not. Oh no, it has to do with overseas, but or yeah. something we don't yeah. know. Yeah. Maybe Bahrain. They're, they're they're protecting diversity there. Seems no, unlikely. No, no, no. It's only where we have the right interests. Um, I, I, I thought it was. There were a couple of reports. Uh, I wanted to go back to the Joker. Uh, the uh, since I'm in Colorado. The, oh yeah, you should be getting some interesting. Yes, the move, uh, the movie scenes. massacre. So a couple things happened. Uh, first of all. We have, I mean, the, the, the way the reporting is going on this guy, he's, he's not the Joker anymore. No, no, no. And I wonder if uh, this, you know, of course we have, we know the new TV series is on its way. So what, what perfect opportunity to bring in the Hannibal Lecter meme. This is the monster's lair, your first look at the apartment of the suspect in the Batman movie Massacre. Meanwhile, he reportedly has become so difficult to deal with that jail guards are forcing him to wear a creepy contraption. James what? Holmes has been uh, listen. spitting at prison guards so much, he's being forced to wear a special protective mask like this. <laughs> like Hannibal, like they actually have a picture of Hannibal Lecter in a box while she's, while she's introing this story. The mask is simple and lightweight, but it forms an effective barrier preventing inmates from spitting on guards. It goes over their head like so and blindfolds the inmate and also disorients them. <laughs> They're black bagging the guy. It's tied firmly on the back of their neck, and because the inmate's hands are handcuffed behind him, he can't take it off. Here it is in action, used by police subduing a prisoner in court during an insanity hearing. It's a grim reminder of the mask worn by Hannibal Lecter in the silence of the land. There we go, everybody. We have Hannibal Lecter in the new TV series coming very soon. So, uh, of course, we got that one in, but it's great to demonize this. It's really funny. 
but then, of course, the media is being completely blacked out, where he's blacking out and everything. Listen to this. In just about two hours, accused gunman James Holmes will be back in court, but there will be no pictures of him this time. Judge William Sylvester put the hammer down. No cameras capturing the shooter in court. No cell phones, laptops, iPads, or audio tapes allowed either. All to make sure Holmes gets a fair trial. Kangaroo court. Fair trial. No, she actually says it's like black is white. Yes is no. How is this a fair trial when nobody gets to see it? Closed. Dude, better than that. Dude. Dude, he won't even do a perp walk. Jim Spellman's live outside the courthouse in Centennial, Colorado, where prosecutors are about to lay out their case against them. Against Holmes, rather. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Carol. Yeah, in just over two hours, Holmes will make his way from the jail right here through an underground tunnel into the courthouse to hear what's bound to be a long list of charges against him. Are they for real? Underground tunnel, no iPods, iPhones, videos, recorders, uh, nothing. You want to know what I think? Please. He's dead already. Yeah, possible. So now they got to come up with they got to come up with uh, they got to come up with the goods. So they got to come up with something. So they're not going to show him because he's dead. And so the and what they do have somebody actually sees it. There'll be some guy in a mask and you know yeah, some stooge. He, oh, you can't oh, see who oh, it is, John, right? That's perfect. Of course they'll have the mask on his head. So it could just be anyone. So, it's just the central casting. Oh yeah, wow! So oh wow! Well, you nailed he's that. Dead and yeah. he, they're either yeah, going to have to set him up to hang himself somehow with with the mask on his head. Something's going to happen. Oh, very good. Well, of well then course, they take his real dead body, put a mask on it, and that's that, and boom, he's, they cremate awesome. him within two days. Awesome. Very Cremation, good. Cremation, that would be my other prediction. Good one. Uh, meanwhile, of course, this is, uh, <laughs> this is just a 20 seconds of just craziness. Another panic in a movie theater. This one happened panic. in South Beach in Miami. More than 100 people bolted out of a late-night screening of The Dark Knight Rises after they said they saw a man wearing black love, black love screaming, this is it, from the back of a crowded theater. Look some at his mugshot. That is just... Uh, I oh, mean, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Some moviegoers tackled and heckled 44-year-old David Escamillo. They tackled him down until police arrived. Escamillo was charged with disorderly conduct. Uh, police say there was no evidence of any gunshots. No one was hurt during this mad but obviously very scary rush. Wow. 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 Get more money wow. for Dark, right, wow. Dark Knight Rises. Wow. Yeah, he's, he put on black gloves and yelled, this is it. Really? Maybe he's looking forward to seeing the movie. Yeah, Michael J- Yeah, really. Or, or he was a Michael Jackson fan. Thought it was in the wrong movie. <laughs> this is it. Where's the this is it movie? I got my gloves. Ugh. Yeah. Well, there you go. Welcome to Gitmo Nation, everybody. Don't fall for it. This is why we are known as the greatest podcast in the universe. Citizens, yeah. do not be alarmed. Do not <laughs> be alarmed. Please do not be alarmed. My goodness. Uh, what else you got? Uh, I got a long piece on Feinstein. Uh, Feinstein very rarely does speaking, and she gave us a talk. And this, I, I have some more stuff for Sunday, but this was her discussion. Uh, she, she apparently one of her buddies on the World Affairs Council uh, got her to give a talk and then do a Q and A. Mm-hmm. Which is extremely dangerous. That's yeah, dangerous and dangerous too. because yeah. she's not used to it, and so she uh, she says a few things that are kind of interesting. And I'd rather do that right after the uh, break for the uh, donor. But, but I have a second half of the show clip. 
Oh, is it a good one? I think okay, well, so. let's do this. First of all, let's start off with uh, Feinstein. Feinstein. Play Feinstein on leaks. And some of the leaks we've seen recently that have created such a stir do have, I think, some fingerprints on them from that are not from the Central Intelligence Agency, ODNI, or uh, the Def- Defense Department. And so how do we... How do you discipline that? I am aware of that. Um, I think that's a correct analysis. Um, I think the White House has to understand that some of this is coming from its ranks. I don't know specifically where, but there. I think they have to begin to understand that and do something about it. And... Um, I mean, there's one book they can read, and they'll see it very clearly. And I think that should be the case. Um, Now, clearly a plant, this guy. Well, it's hard to say where where, where he's coming from, but she she doesn't want to say anything, it seems. Well, she was kind of But she's talking about what we're talking about. We talked about this on the show about a month ago. Yeah. And these are the leaks that the White House, you know, said that 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 Obama's got a kill list, and he laughs it up when he's and he's, you know, he's got his own list that he checks off the box as though this is a good thing, and that we put Stuxnet out there, all these different kinds of things. And this is and when she and she keeps referring to a book, and the book she's referring to is Sanger's book, Confront and Conceal, right? Which which is very interesting. And I sent you a something that has to go in the show notes, which is Peter Bergen's. June twenty first article uh, in on CNN. Okay, and and this is called the Obama leak scandal is wildly overblown. Ah, okay. Now Bergen is a stooge and a member of the uh, uh, what's the name of this Muslim, the New American Muslim Brotherhood. Found- the new the new American found the new America Foundation. No, okay, sounds like a fine organization. Oh well, this this organization. <laughs> you look into this one, yeah. and you have everybody in this thing from uh, from Craig Newmar to uh, Eric Schmidt. Okay, got it. Yeah, as front men, mm-hmm. Bergen's a member, and it's like this. It's got it's got it's just it's it's a kind of a very strange operation. I think they I have, actually did some research on these. Go ahead, I'll, I'll look it you up. Have, yeah, you, you start looking it up, and you'll see, and you'll remember your research. Yeah. So Bergen is is like a, a apparently work. You know, CNN, which you call the compromise network, along with ABC. I would put CBS in that too. Yeah. Uh, is doing this. This is like a hit piece on people bitching about the leaks. But when you start listening to Feinstein, just casually talking, these these leaks in this book were no small potatoes situation. This was a problem. Apparently, some people got killed in the process. We can still go on. In the process of of leaking this stuff? Play Feinstein. I think it's the third clip, but play Feinstein on leaks too. I think, you know, what the president actually knows about this is difficult because with respect to intelligence, he is in a bubble. He has his daily brief called the PDB, the President's Daily Brief, early every morning. And so he gets a briefing of intelligence. I don't believe for a moment he goes out and talks about it. I don't believe the briefers go out and talk about it. But who knows who else? And um, I I think that the importance 
of this has to be really set by the president himself. And hopefully he will do it. And uh, I think he'll most likely read the book and see it himself. Have you had a chance to talk to him about this? No. Barack in a bubble. Okay, so it starts to get interesting. Now, this is the last part of this clip, which is the part the three. Part, yeah. uh, she, uh, she makes it very clear that these leaks that were kind of a big deal for a while, and the, and the Republicans were bitching about it. And we heard a lot of bitching and moaning. And then the whole thing was covered up by a series of articles, including this Bergen piece, yeah. about, oh, it's why, no big deal, you know, back off, nothing to see here, look over there kind of thing, which, which kind of took it out of the news cycle, as you recall. Yep. And it was only because I watched this incredibly three-hour-long thing with her at the World, because I knew she had this, you know, because I know she doesn't do this much. So she had to drop a couple of little tidbits in here. Only when I listened to, to Feinstein moan about this, I realized that this was a bigger deal than all the news media outlets want us to believe. And this, and she summarizes it, I think, pretty well here in part three. Because you cannot, if I'm right, compel testimony from members of his staff. Nor That's is, Nor is there any legal recourse because, as you say, the president ultimately has control of all classified information. And so if members of his staff are declassifying it, it's generally not a legal issue. Well, that's right. And the president can declassify it like that. And one of the things we do in our bill is ask for simultaneous notice oh. that we will know if an issue is declassified and we will know why. Um, and see, mostly, right now we don't know. <laughs> and so that has its difficulties. Let me uh, go to the audience questions now, and one of them is on this very topic, so it's a good place to start. Can you be more specific about the danger of leaks? Who is at danger? Well, I tried to be specific. Um, people who help us are at danger. We're collecting information. We collect it in two ways. One is SIGINT, or satellite intelligence, and the other is human or human human and the human intelligence comes from people and therefore those people who are what are called assets for intelligence officers are um, are in danger and I can tell you without any doubt that with the recent leaks they've been jeopardized this is really interesting in light of what we know that uh, Obama, essentially, or the Democratic Party, or whoever was running uh, uh, Obama as president, had one of her friends killed in California. She hates him. Yeah. Yeah, and she's trying to get this back into the public uh, domain, this sure. problem. Yeah. And she and she makes an interesting point. They're trying to pass a bill that if they start declassifying stuff at the presidential level, they have to at least inform the intelligence committee. Let them know, because, sure. Yeah, because I've got the classified document in front of me, and the next thing I know, I'm reading about it in the New York Times. I'm saying, well, what what happened? Yeah. Why am I looking at it says classified, and now it's in the New York Times? And they say, I don't know. Uh, so it's just like uh, this is because this is a big bigger deal than it appears to be. No, this is good, and and you watch three hours of this crap, and this is this is what you found. That's good. 
I found another thing too, which I'll play on Sunday, which is, uh, I'll just tell you what it is, but you have to hear it. <laughs> the, the topic changes, of course, because she's, she's there yeah. and she seems to enjoy it a little bit, which is not good. Yeah. Cause she's the head of the intelligence committee. She shouldn't even be talking to anybody, seems to me, but unless, you know, except her constituents. And she, she goes on about the Syria thing. And she drops the playbook right on the table. Oh, oh, save that for Sunday. Save it for Sunday. Yeah, you'll, uh, you'll get a kick. We'll go into break here with uh, L.Z. Granderson. Now, remember, this is the douche knuckle uh, who, you, who works at ESPN. He's a CNN contributor. And, of course, he's the perfect guy because, you know, he's black. He's got dreadlocks. You know, he's like the hip uh, African-American uh, prototype, if you will. And um, he's arguing about... Um, how Obama is uh, so, you know, he's so important uh, for, and he's so good. And this is really the, the, what you would call the liberal view on the president's use of drones and killing people and how this is being explained away. Here's okay. one of the points, and that is, is that basically President Obama has said that he would not support an Israeli strike against Tehran. Uh, he says he will not support that. He's, he asked Israel to stand down. A lot of people didn't think that that was the correct thing to do because it is their national security. But then when Mitt Romney's foreign policy advisor suggested that, in fact, he would back an Israeli strike against Tehran, Mitt Romney, uh, then Mitt Romney sort of backed away from that. So, so what are we really talking about? out here are these just words we're, we're talking about no one wants a war and i think that's the responsible thing to do is to continue to push toward peace i don't think that you can call a president who has a kill list as someone who looks away when it comes to foreign policy when it comes to national security when it comes to foreign relations and foreign policy i don't think that's a fair assessment now you might not be happy with exactly the measure he's taken but to say that he's looking away and ignoring iran i think is probably an accurate way of characterizing the way he's handled this uh, no one wants a war and no one can afford a war, which is another part of the conversation that we're not having. We can't afford to fight. And so we're hoping that sanctions and diplomacy would, would be first. And what we don't need, as I said earlier, is someone who is saying words that would incite a war. So if I understand properly, because the president has a kill list, and uh, you may not like that, but because he has a kill list, he's keeping the peace. It was in there. Yeah, I'd say that's not a, off the track. That's outrageous. <laughs> he's got to kill me. That's just... Uh, you, this proves he's a good guy. That's, yeah. what, that's the other thing. I'm going to show my support by donating to no agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on no agenda. He's got to kill this. Got to kill this. Didn't mean to cut you off there. Got a kill list. Got a kill list. He's got a kill list, and he's going to use it. He's big, bad. He's nationwide. He's barah. Uh, uh, got uh -huh. a kill list as a possible. <laughs> he's got a kill list. Barack in the bubble, but he's got a kill list. Sir Howard Goodnecht in Seattle, Washington, starts off our contributor section uh, with $110, and it appears that he sent it in twice. Well, wait a minute. So that would make him an associate executive producer. It would. Mm -hmm. Well, well I, but I'm wondering whether he meant to do this. Okay. Uh, we can, we'll, re, we'll refund we'll him. We'll have to put him in associate. He's a, he's a knight, so we, we give him the benefit yeah. of the doubt. Uh, we'll, so we'll, make, we'll just refund him. No, I will refund him for sure. Yeah. But I want to find out. But put him on an associate executive you got producer it. just in yeah, case. You got it. You got it. Hope this helps with the Gas on the Hot Pockets tour advice for Adam. Stay in lower gears and 
at much lower speeds going up grades. Well, I think you uh, no, you know pre- you do that. That's pretty much what we're doing. <laughs> so I think what you have to do. That's there's no choice. That's the only way she's going to go. You got to drop her down fifty miles an hour in in uh, second gear. Michael, that's surprising you can get up to that. Michael yeah. Stadjuhar, and uh, he's an APO guy. One of our, uh, he's working on his twelve, twelve, twelve knighthood for the uh, best podcast in the universe. And he's a uh, in the military somewhere. Uh, Linda Pease, P E A S E. I'd say it's uh, Pease. Yeah, Pease. It is Pease. Pease. She likes to spin. She likes to spin around, and that's what they call her world peas. <laughs> no in the morning for you. Dublin, Ohio, one hundred dollars. Mark Milliman, Milliman, as in millimeter, seventy-five. No comment. Charles Anderson, Sir Charles Anderson, to you, it's Columbus, Ohio, sixty-nine, sixty-nine. Did you hear that? Yep. I've only had four shots of whiskey in a mudslide, so I'm not sure this qualifies as a drunk donation or not. But I'm donating for some on vacation, get late birthday karma. He got him down his birthday. I don't yeah. want to be able to listen until I get back from camping. Keep up the good work on the best podcast in the universe. I've been listening on my drive to the campground, and I'm almost caught up, which is good. We have three shows behind by the time I get back. Signed, Sir Charles Anderson, P.S. PayPal, PayPal on a cell phone sucks. Forgive any typos I've been drinking. I can't read the whole passage at once scrolling around. This little window blows. <laughs> I, I think it, one more whiskey and he would have been good for a drunk donation. I would think. Pistahaju in Vorendal. Furendal. Furendal. I got to make the, the V's and F. Furendal. Furendal. 69.69. We just got in under the wire. Proud to say that ever since Adam kicked my half-awake ass fully awake during his wake your wake-up call show some five years ago. Oh, the Dutch I, show, yeah. Oh, that one. I've not, the one that got the, the radio station burned yeah. down. <laughs> yeah. And by awesome. the way, ladies and gentlemen, this is why we're both, you know, <laughs> there's no station we go to. Your wake-up call shows some five years ago. I've not missed a single episode of the best podcast in the quantum field. Mm. Please accept this donation for uh, Adam and Mickey's good luck and some gas to keep the tour going. Thank I'd like you. a girl shut-up slave and two to the head in that order. And please never, ever quit. For neither will we, so-called slaves of the asshole elites. Okay, first of all, I, I, I omitted uh, the karma shot for... Hold on. Uh, Charles Anderson, who was drunk. I got to give him that oh, one first. Just... Yeah. You've got karma. And now uh, we'll do the. Uh... Shut up, slave. There we go. You've got karma. There you go. Dead karma. Kohai Sugimoto in Gold Coast, Queensland, sixty-nine, sixty-nine. Kohi, Kohai, Kohai, Kohai. Sugimoto from Gitmo Nation, King of Fruit. Recently from Gitmo Nation down under. So I guess he's moved. I'm just looking for some relationship karma so I can find myself a nice jewel. All right. Happy to do that. You've got karma. John Vale in Pennsburg, Pennsylvania, 59. Michael Malaro in Penns. Oh, I'm sorry. Michael Malaro, parts unknown, 55-55. That's uh, Mike from Austin again. He's checking in again. Who made your head on a stick? Oh, Mike the head guy. Yeah, Mike the head guy. And, and Mike the head guy. Yeah, Mike Aaron, the head guy. Aaron Yoho 
Yo-ho! Yo-ho in Fairmont, West Virginia, your old stomping, stomping grounds. grounds. Mm-hmm. Double nickels on the dime. It's get mo yo-ho from the town known as Mo. Don't drone me, bro. Yoo-hoo, made a rhyme. Also, I cannot believe you guys thought we would stop listening when Adam got married. You should know we're never going to give up on you, never going to let you down, never going to run around and desert you. Uh, you can, he just rickrolled you. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Please, I'm just reading it. Please give me a mafia hit karma with a Huntsman Chicka Ching Ching trailer, trailer in hopes of some good news on my variable comp. Comp. Okay, I think I know what that means. <laughs> You've got karma. I think that's what he meant. No, he wanted the ching ching at the back of the back of the hunts of the karma. There you go, Ray Jake. You got a double. You got a double huntsman. Yeah, a double huntsman. <laughs> a double huntsman. It's kind of like a dirty Sanchez <laughs> or a donkey punch. Uh, Sir Ray Jacobson, Ashland, Virginia, fifty-five double niggas on the dime. Sorry, Adam. I had to do a promotional domain name on the last show there was a subtle mispronunciation of obama which sounded like obama 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 since you keep since you are keeping the kill list up to date by the way somebody came up with an idea to that we should put together a a no kill list and put it up on a website and that's been done i've already seen that done so i was like yeah we, we i think it should be the no agenda one ours is more official no, this is true because we are the best, the best podcast, podcast in the universe. universe. Yes. Okay. All right. I'll put it together. I'll put it together. It'll be the You're don't, don't, kill, list don't kill list. We have the kill list, killlist.curry.com. We're going to put together the don't kill list. And uh, I guess you'll have to put a donation in to get on the list. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Please pardon my indulgence to grab the forward www.obomber.com to killlistcurry.com. That's www.o-bomber. Dot com. The Obama name may stick in the slaves' brains just long enough till they get to the web to check out the site. Those who propagate the formula may be deemed cool and possibly cheeky if they drop the domain in an email or place it in a comment post on the interwebs. Please yeah. send me some karma. Leave it in your uh, in your Gmail for 180 days. That'll do good. This is Sir You've Ray. got karma. It's Sir Ray Jacobson in Ashland, Virginia. Brett Farrell in Mason, Ohio, 50. John P. Cummings, uh, 50, from Parts Unknown. Um, Joseph Mato in North Point, New York. North Port. I said North Point. Yeah, but it's North Port. Yes. I donated during the last show, and I guess it was after your technical difficulties were fixed. John sounded grumpy. Huh. That's weird. And apparently didn't like my lame boner joke or my poor attempt at poetry. In the chaos that followed, my buddy Froner got de or got douched by mistake, and I did not get de-douched. Uh, th- I think this was my mistake, actually. Yeah, it wasn't me. Yeah. This is messing with my karma. Rather than complain and ask for something, I figured I'd donate once again to the best podcast in the universe as a makeup to the Froner. Can I get the de-douching, and can you play a clippity-clop? Followed by two to the head, followed by karma. Are you re- you're really trying to you know, stretch it out. Yeah, really. Okay, let me just figure this out. Dedouching, clippity-clop, two to the head, karma. Okay. You've been dedouched. The message is clear. Jehovah's clippity-clop. <laughs> You've got karma. All right. Yeah. That wasn't effective. Yeah. So, Joseph, chime in again. Andrew Haverson in Gravenhurst, 
Ontario, 50. Uh, Sir Greg Brunsell, Kenosha, Wisconsin, 50. Black Knight George Vanderhorst from Cats Hovel. Cats Hovel. Cats Hovel. Cats Hovel. Cats Hovel. Cats Hovel. says Cats Hovel. I have a couple of uh, on-the-spot donations from uh, producers who uh, hooked up with us, which I'd like to thank as we continue the... Hot 2009 tour. Uh, so Neil Smith, who uh, not only brought us the wet and wetter uh, juice for the radiator, uh, also gave us a, uh, uh, a car cooling shot of karma with a $100 donation. So we appreciate that, of course. You've got karma. And then at the Lawrence meetup, uh, Lavina B. Mason, also known as Brooke, was f- love her, by the way, $50. Uh, Blake Hopper uh, with some gas money from Mustang Sally, $50. Alex Walther Lenexa from Kansas, $100. And, of course, we had our um, executive producers, Eric and Lori Swim, with $300. Uh, the, the the family who just gave us all the great presents and the cards and lovely. Justin Gearing, CEO of Intercon.net, $50. Uh, Josen Dozier, $100. And, of course, we thank our host, Jason Baker, uh, for organizing the meetup and paying for the drinks and uh, and and the dinner, of course, and also a thanks to Michael Buffa for his gift card for the gas. And before we continue, I just wanted to mention, uh, you know, we're staying at Chad's house, Chad Christian, and it wasn't until uh, last night that I figured out who he was. And you know him very well, John, because he made me cry. Did I already mention he, this to you? He made you cry. Yeah. Would he kick you in the nuts? Almost. His uh, his lovely wife, Christy, said, uh, do you, uh, like, read the emails that come in? I'm like, yeah. Do you, like, remember donation notes? I said, yeah, pretty good. You can give me a try. So John remembers. I said, no, probably not, but we can give it a try. No. So um, he is the guy who wrote the most awesomest letter about the uh, toilet paper, he was on his mountain bike, and he oh thought, yeah, that was a great one. He thought he had the toilet paper karma, and it turned out to be used toilet paper. Yeah, yuck. You should, he this guy, even though he's a firefighter and uh, an EMS paramedic, he writes the funniest emails. This guy should be a writer. He should be a writer he's a for humorous. our show. Yeah, he, he, should he, is, be. he is a humorous. Stuff is good. It's very yeah, funny. Yeah. So yes, uh, I do remember that one because you were di- you were crying. Yeah, it was very funny. You were laughing so I'm hard. Laughing so hard, indeed. So uh, thank you all very much for your support of the program, the uh, executive producers, associate producers, our monthly donors. Uh, little light today, but of course it is the dog days of summer. No one cares. No one's listening, and that's how it Dvorak. goes. slash N-A. Congratulate Sir Charles Anderson. He celebrates today as he congratulates himself. And I also would like to just say happy anniversary uh, to Chad and to Christy, who are spending their anniversary, their fourth, with us here on the Hot Pockets Tour. Happy birthday to the rest of you. Actually, that is just a Sir Charles from your buddies here at the No Agenda Show. And we did have one final uh, donation come in from Andrew Haverson, which puts him in uh, night territory, John. So if we can, uh, if you can, hello. Okay, here it comes. Where's the big one? Oh, that one. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, come. 
So, Andrew Haverson, step on forward, my friend, because you have supported the No Agenda podcast, also known as the best podcast in the universe, in the amount of $1,000 or more. And therefore, we proudly bestow upon you the honor of Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. So we hereby will call you Sir Andrew, Knight of the No Agenda Roundtable. For you, sir, hookers and blow. We've got your uh, Rent Boys and Chardonnay, your uh, wenches and beer, or your hot pants and booze right here at the Knight of the, the Roundtable setting. There's a fly in here who is driving me crazy. Uh, and it's getting warm in the, in the bin. Did I get him? didn't get him oh okay so um second half of the show john so then we're going you actually have crackpot material uh it's well it's you can call it crackpot material i happen to believe it's uh it's already i happen it's to ex- believe it's extremely important is that anything different than you believe do you know or i do believe i do believe do you happen to know where wilbur washington is wilbur. i don't know Wilbur. Wilbur. Wilbur, Wilbur Washington. I figure that's up near your uh, Camp Buzzkill somewhere around there. So. But uh, when are you scheduled to go up? Well, maybe, I've never. Maybe I'll Mimi. Think, no, probably a couple weeks. Maybe Mimi can go and investigate something for me. Okay, let me look. Hold on a second before you get too carried away here. I'm gonna look. By the way, there is no Wilbur Washington anywhere that I know of. Okay, in the area, it's farmland, John. It's farmland. Wilbur Washington. Wilbur, you mean Wilbur? Wilbur Washington. Some open houses for sale. Let's see what they. What they <laughs> Who cares? Are you ready for the report from Wilbur Washington? Okay, hit it. Week a neighbor called, telling Greg about the crop circles and the land that they farm near oh. Highway 174. The guy says it's the third instance of crop circles in the Wilbur area in the past five years. I guess it's our turn. Some think it is wind damage <laughs> or kids trying to pull a prank. The guides think otherwise. I can't really rule out aliens, but you have to wonder in the back of your mind, you know. I'll leave that up to whoever's imagination. When we walked up to the circles, we saw that everything is very precise. Each straw smashed to the side in a unified angle. you got to see this video, by the way, because it is the way that the... Uh, uh the crops have been uh, flattened down is is beyond what I think a human would do with a microwave oven. We did find a long strand of toilet paper that looked fresh. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, of course, uh, I'm going to take a dump while they were doing this. <laughs> on place for it and a sign of a prankster, but still... Any <laughs> they just throw that in there for you. Conclusive evidence. There are many Wilbur theories Washington on... Washington is way, way, way toward Idaho. It's nowhere near me. Now, listen. It's like so far east of Seattle that it would take you forever to even find this place. So, so listen. So the aliens, they come and make these crop circles. And then just because they know I'm going to catch on to it, they're like, put some toilet paper there for the Vorek. How it happened and who did it. But perhaps Cindy Gibes is the most interesting involving aliens. When they fly over all the houses, they just put everybody to sleep. Yep. And then oh, they go do their that's job. And then they, they leave. They it. wake everybody up. There are many reasons why you may not believe that these are actual crop circles from aliens. But the Gibes say that if it is a hoax... Sure is a long way to walk just to pull a prank. That's my point exactly, as you just pointed out. It's way, way up there. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? Because this is just another warning from them. So the thing is about this particular report, these crop circles are uh, are in an area where they have those crazy agricultural uh, things that make a round 
patch. Yeah, they're all over the country. This is a beautiful. This is a beautiful symmetrical intricate design. It. it looks nice. Oh, it's a pretty crop circle. That's not a small John Deere. <laughs> some kids in a, a, who had to poop. I'm sorry. This makes no sense that this is... Oh, yeah. We're going to put all this effort in uh, up there in uh, Wilbur, Washington. No, John. These are warning signs, and you should heed them. <laughs> warning sign. Warning for what? For the apocalypse, September 21st. Oh, yeah, September 21st is the last day? What, what is it, the last Put day? it in the red book. September... No, it's a new date. September 21st. Well, when did this happen? Well, when I was researching the crop circle. September 21st. That's the date. That's the new date. The new What new is date. this new date? Tell us about this because we have to have a celebratory uh, show. What is that? Is that what <laughs> I, show wait a minute. First check and see if it's a show date. Then let's see if we're yeah. before or after the show date, just so we know. Uh, I'll tell you. Hold on a second. I have the, oh, yeah, September, September 21st. It's a Friday. So uh, we can have we can no, do no. The, we can do the twentieth. We can have our last show, the last, last no agenda show, show, last no agenda show. That's right. It'll be twentieth, yeah, the, the last show ever, September twentieth, last show. That's all you need to put in the book. And if on September twenty first there's no show, well, then no, there uh, won't be a show on the twenty first, no matter what. Uh, uh, oh, right. I'm sorry. You mean on, on the Sunday? On the there's 20, no show. The twenty third, the twenty fourth ended. Right. On the twenty fourth, so the so last our last show. official show would be the twentieth September twentieth of September, yeah. unless this this scam fa- falls through, right? And and the world doesn't end. That's right. We'll see. How many people are buying into this one? Because I think a lot of people are buying. You know that what's the one that's supposed that the Mayan calendar says is December twenty first, but it's it's been moved up to September. Well, who moved it up? The aliens with the crop circle. People who know how to read the crop circles are reading September twenty first. Uh, what? You, yeah, people who they know read how to read the crowd. So the Mayans came back down in a spaceship. <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with and Mayans. And they readjusted their calendar. No, I think what we're Why talking would they about. Care? I'm going to tell you what we're talking about here is the big United States blackout. The big power outage is September 21st. This is what they're reading into this crop circle. So there will be no show because we'll have no power. Instead of doing a crop circle, can't they just send a memo? <laughs> A tweet, a tweet. Get a tweet account. I mean, Sweden crop, has it. Can we do crop tweets? Then. They should do crop tweets. That would yeah. be better. Your world will end September twenty first. <laughs> newly decided. I do love the fact that on uh, that the. Uh, Why would they move it up? After all these millennials. Well, no, hold on. This is the not millennials. This is millennials. Not, thousands this is not, of years have gone by. I say, you know. I think we should move this up three months. I'm a little tired of waiting. They had a scheduling conflict. The, the plumber uh, comes at 11. <laughs> the hey, uh, Russians are like that. This one. is not the end of the world. This is the big blackout, which is, is going to be close enough. September 21st. So last show with power will be September 20th. So we need some hamsters and a generator. Yeah, and shortwave radios. Well, I got my license. I know. I got her. Well, I have two months. Uh, so the um, um, here's here's the KJ six LNG. Yeah. So uh, here's some bogative stuff that's been coming out. Very funny. So of course uh, we have to uh, get the slaves into believing that uh, you know there's all this space stuff, and of course you know the space stuff that we're being shown is nothing at all like the real deal. 
So, of course, we have uh, all these reports now. Hey, the U.S. flags are still on the moon. They're still on the moon. You know why? Because we said they are. And you know what else, slaves? If you're on Times Square on August uh, 6th, you can see the Mars mission landing live on Mars. Just don't look at the already existing bases and the elevators. So there's going to be a big psychological operation on everybody. Oh, we finally landed on Mars. And they're just gearing you up with this. The flags are still on there. Mars. We've landed on Mars before. Yeah, but now they're going to broadcast it live from Burbank. Why? To, to, to get you to, to, so you don't look at what's really happening on Mars and on the moon. What's happening there? The moon Tell bases me. and the Mars bases. Please, okay. come on, man. How many times? You're not even doing that. You used to actually believe this, but I can't, I, there's a note of insincerity. In no, your voice. I, not at all. There's no insincerity. But you, but it's it's impossible to get into it because you immediately go <laughs> for good reason. You okay? We'll see on September 21st, Mister. Yeah. Okay, I'm putting it in the red book that nothing will come of it. Okay, good, good. Go ahead. It's an easy way to rack up the score. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm playing against a ch- Chinese badminton team. <laughs> I did uh, catch something very interesting on the um, State Department news briefing, which I love because there's actual questions from actual reporters being posed there. Right, that never get reported. Never, never get, get reported, reported except on. on this show. Yeah. So uh, Newland, douchebag Newland, is at, now, now this is about the war on ammo. So in case you missed it, there was a big meeting on uh, last Friday, I believe, and uh, at the United Nations in New York about the small arms treaty agreement. And although you may be led to believe otherwise, there was no agreement. It didn't happen, and they're going to have to come back to it because we didn't quite get what we want. Now, exactly what we want is in question. And this reporter, who is not Matt, the reporter known as not Matt, um, zeroes in immediately and says, okay, this is about the Second Amendment. And um, just tell me when 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 you've heard enough of it, because it's rather long, but it, I found it just to be fascinating how he keeps beating on about this and Newland keeps avoiding the question. Um, at 10.14 p.m. on Friday, uh, the department put out a note about the um, uh, inability to reach consensus on the arms control, uh, on the arms trade treaty, excuse me. Um, and you said in the note that you supported the outcome, which, of course, was a failure to reach consensus. Um, I love that, by the way. So he slams her right off the bat. So you support the outcome, but there was no consensus. What's that all about? And, of course, she's got to come back and slam him. What did you not get, did the United States not get out of this negotiation that it wanted? Well, again, apologies for making me work at 10.14 on a Friday night. As you may know, the negotiation... <laughs> Sorry, you had to work, mofo. ...on this uh, treaty went relatively late in New York, so we wanted to make sure that we spoke to them uh, when the uh, negotiations concluded. What we supported was uh, a decision to give this more time 
to get it right. Uh, as you know. <laughs> to get it right, John. To get it right. I wonder what. So they it get. failed. It failed to get the necessary votes, and so we're happy with that. Well, no, we, no, no. Hold on. This is not before the general assembly. This comes up later in the in this little no, no. This is just a, a private ass committee. No, this oh. is a treaty that needs to be adopted by consensus. There was not consensus in New York. There were a number of countries who. Uh, thought that more work needed to be done. Because we got to take away Americans' guns, you see. Uh, that said, we did make considerable progress, and there was a commitment that the nations will come back early in the new year and try to conclude this treaty. What we want is further review, further refinement, in order to meet the high standards of a treaty that we could... Uh, the high standards, get ready for it. Now, this guy's already, he's already ready with this question. ...and that we were confident could receive the advice and consent of the U.S. Senate that uh, deals with the illegal use of small arms. Yeah, it's now the illegal use of small arms, John. This has changed somewhat from the illegal transfer of small arms to nations that have terrorists and gangs. Now it's the illegal use. So it's, things are changing in this proposed text that we read. While allowing states and nations participating to implement their own national laws and to protect the rights of their citizens enshrined in their own national documents, including in our case, uh, the right to bear arms under the U.S. Constitution. Uh So more work needs to be done, but we very much support the goals, and we think that rather than trying to jam a weak treaty, it's better to give it some more time and have consensus when we come back. We don't want a weak treaty. No, because what they're going to do is they're going to have all these regulations about who can actually... Uh, execute their uh, Second Amendment right. That's what's going on. And and why do you oppose it going to the General uh, Assembly? Well, again, we don't have consensus on the text, so you would be sending to the General Assembly, to the to the GA, a text that is disputed on a treaty that we all agreed would be adopted by consensus. So we think it'll be a stronger document if we keep working on it and try to get consensus. But is your concern that the GA could approve a treaty or could approve a document by two-thirds majority and that therefore any concerns, the residual concerns that the United States might have uh, might not be addressed as long as you get two-thirds of the countries involved to vote for it. So the way I'm hearing this in the black is white, yes is no, truth is, is, uh, is false, is they want to get it to a point where they can sneak in whatever language is necessary, then ram it straight into the GA, as she calls it, the GA, so with two-thirds of a vote, it gets passed. More? Yeah, I keep playing. There's something Again, in here. Yeah. We don't think the work of this body is finished, so why would we rush it to a vote in the GA, and particularly given the fact that a number of large countries, ourselves included, aren't ready to join on to the tax. Uh-huh. And the last one for me on this, if I may. Uh, did U.S. domestic politics, and notably the uh, Second Amendment right to bear arms under the U.S. Constitution, did, did a domestic political calculation in any way affect your negotiating stance and your unwillingness to accept the current draft. So she's getting a little testy now because he's pushing and she's going to lash out. Not yet, but in a second. Well, that's not a political issue. That's a constitutional and legal issue in the United States. It's a matter of U.S. law. It's a matter of our founding principles. So obviously, as a nation, uh, nation. regardless 
of who's in charge of the nation that have to be uh, taken care of. But taken care of more broadly, uh, <coughs> we want a treaty that can stand up around the world and can deal with this problem. We have in the United States some of the highest standards in the world in terms of our regulations and our laws with regards to these issues, and we want to make sure that when we do this treaty, we do it right. Get ready. Explain what in the treaty was problematic with regards to the Second Amendment. Well, I'm not going to get into the precise text oh. under negotiation. That's obviously not something that we would do in a public forum. But uh, Well, why not? You're the most transparent uh, administration in the universe. You should do that. What we want to do is ensure that the goal of this treaty, which is to ensure that small arms don't get into the wrong hands. Mm, wrong hands. What are, you, are your hands right or wrong, John? Are they right or wrong? How will we define... My hands are right. ...is as tight as possible... Tight. ...while uh, being true to the laws of our own nation and the laws of other nations. This, this treaty had been under negotiation for months and years. Um, and during all that time, what, you just found out recently <laughs> that there's something in there that might affect the Second Amendment? <laughs> no, we're trying to put something in there. Now, this has been an issue all the way through, how to... Ensure, on the one hand, the strongest possible treaty with regard to the regulation of small arms, while ensuring that those states that do a good job of this don't have to change their own laws. I don't, I don't understand what, what in an arms trade treaty, uh, how that affects the second uh, U.S. U.S. national law and U.S. constitutional law. Again, where, where one the, the problems derive. Well, you know, you're not a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. No. The old "you're not a lawyer" card on the Shut table. But there are a number of legal issues involved whenever you do a treaty, and you have to ensure that as you negotiate these things, that they also comport with your existing laws and the existing rights of your citizens. So, I think we need to keep our eye on what's happening there at the uh, UN headquarters, because you're not a lawyer. It's very simple. It's very simple. Right to bear arms. But you're not a lawyer. You don't know what that means, right hand, wrong hand. You might have the wrong hand. So we have to determine what a wrong hand is. You watch. You can put that in the red book, but you don't have to. Just watch. There are more important things than this sort of news. (laughs) Yeah, who cares about this news, really? I think the big story was on the, uh, I think it was on Good Morning America or... Yeah, it was on Good Morning America, and it was the, uh, this is a, all interesting, and I want to play, it's a little long, but I want to play this clip and then ask, you just got married. Yes, I did. And so I want to know if any of this applies to you. Play Rented Wedding. Hold on, Rented Wedding. Hold on. And we want to bring in GMA financial contributor Melody Hobson to get to the bottom of this. What do we need to know if we want to rent all the accoutrements that go along with a great wedding? So the one thing you want to know is you want to make sure you are doing what you can afford. The average wedding in this country, average, $27,000. And yet the median income, $52,000, which means people are borrowing a lot of money to have a wedding. All right, well, we have some examples. First, our bride, this is Jill.
Bridal. Tell us a little bit about the bridal gown. Okay, everything she's wearing is rented except for her shoes. That's a $2,900 dress that has been rented for $495. All the jewelry is real. Those are $11,000 earrings, a $26,000 bracelet, even the clutch, $2,700, everything rented. She's wearing about $43,000 worth of stuff, and it's all been rented for just over $1,000. Great look, and even the bridesmaid dresses. Let's take a look at our gorgeous bridesmaids. Okay, two bridesmaids dresses here. First on Seldy, she's wearing one that's more formal. Again, everything rented. That dress retails for $185. It's been rented for $75. And on Michaela, her dress retails for $100. All right, I get the idea. What's the question? No, you got to go. You got to play the whole thing because it gets better. Okay. $150 has been rented for $50. Even the flowers are rented. Real flowers can be rented? <laughs> They're fake. Oh, they look great. Nicely done. Talk to me about how you can possibly rent a cake. Okay, this one takes the cake. <laughs> this is a faux cake. And what they do is you can have the first tier made as a real cake, or you can just have one piece made as a real cake for the photo. Oh. Normally, oh. a cake like this, thousands of dollars, yes. rented from CakeRental.com for $125. And then what do you have, a sheet cake in the back that you cut That's up? That's right. That tastes very good, and it's not expensive. That is hysterical and actually not a bad idea. And what about if you want, want to keep your wedding dress for your daughter? Okay, that's good. <laughs> all right, all right. What's so, your, a cake, did you rent point? a cake, first of all? Uh, did you rent a cake from Cake Rental? No, did not I mean, rent well, a cake. I mean, who's renting cakes nowadays? What is wrong with these people? I think this is a genius business idea, and I think that we're stupid that we didn't get in on it. This is a great idea. This is great. I, I'm all, I mean, so we, because uh, Ms. Mickey and I are well-known in Holland, we just got everything sponsored. And then we sold pictures to a magazine so we could thank all the sponsors. Well, that's pretty cool. I think it's awesome. We got our flowers. We got the cake. We got the... And we, but we went so to all like, free. Yeah. And we didn't even have to credit them on the No Agenda show. No. <laughs> no. And I got paid for the pictures. Not a lot, but enough. Enough, en- enough to pay for the photographer. Are you kidding me? I got no money for that. It's expensive, well, I, this wedding First of all, business. I was stunned by it. It was $27,000 is the average cost of a wedding. Yeah, no, I'm sure it's up there. People are crazy. This is This is a huge industry. People are completely nuts. So now they're, they're they're just doing a facade wedding with everything phony and rented, so they can play the play along. And hey, people, go elope so you can put pictures on Facebook. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Look at my cake. This is what she said. The cake was for the photo. Yeah. <laughs> look at this cake. Oh, look at the cake she had. That cake must have cost thousands of dollars. It did. By the way, those cakes, both of them look like crap for thousands of dollars, <laughs> let me tell you right now. <laughs> and I guess they're made out of styrofoam. Oh, love it. Love it. Now, I, I got I got the real news for you, John. This is, uh, hey, did it misfire? What happened there? There we go. And now, back to real news. Of course. Hey, if- wait a minute. Hold on. Did you have to wear patches and stuff that had the sponsor's name on them all over you? Yeah. Like, uh, like yeah. a NASCAR guy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, you saw the pictures. Uh, from the Globe. Now, of course, we have the National Enquirer. We have the Globe. And we have, uh, what's the other one? There's another uh, another one. Uh, the the real, Star. The Star. The real news. Here it is. Bill Clinton allegedly begging Hillary to call off their divorce before he dies of AIDS. 
Holy crap. Which one was that in? In the Globe. Front page. Cover. Uh, the Globe. I don't trust the Globe so much as I do the Inquirer. Huh? But we've been looking at him. We've been saying he hasn't looked healthy for a while. He th- doesn't look good. He no. looks like... I mean, if, if somebody said he was an AIDS patient, it wouldn't surprise me. That, of course, blows my entire theory on elites and how they dodge all this stuff. Well... It but, could be just bogus. But the, the salient bogus. information, fine. the salient information, of course, is that he that Hillary wants to divorce him. Yeah, they could be couching the whole the, the real story, which is the divorce part. Mm-hmm. Could uh, be, could be with the, with the AIDS as a cover up, so people say, ah, it's bullshit. <laughs> when it's actually coded information that that's, that we need to know, could be coded information. Could be. That there, could be. There's a divorce could be. going on, and that wouldn't surprise me. This has been talk about her wanting to divorce him for, for almost Long forever. Time. Yeah, well, he's a douche. She's but a lesbian. The, yeah. Yeah, well. Uh, I've got two war on clips. Not war on chicken, unfortunately. But we do have the war on baby formula. Oh, yeah, Bloomberg. First, New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg wanted to ban large sugary drinks to curb obesity. Now he's turning his attention to instant baby formula. Starting in September, Bloomberg will implement a new initiative that will keep instant formula locked away at New York City hospitals. The move is to encourage new mothers to breastfeed because of its health benefits for newborns. Instant formula will no longer be included in gift bag giveaways. Formula will still be available if a mother wants or needs it, but nurses will have to sign for it first. I think the 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 gift bag giveaways is probably the the nucleus of this story. Like someone didn't pay off someone because these gift bags. When you have a baby, you know this is a big marketing opportunity. So Walmart puts diapers in there or Pampers, and there's all kinds of stuff in there to get you hooked on there. This is marketing. This is direct marketing. I think someone did not pay the bill on the baby formula. Oh, that could be. Yeah. Yeah, this is the payback. Then we had uh, the war on weed. Two stories here. I'll give you the uh, I'll give you the, the the interesting story that I this is not clippage, but uh, let me just see. Um, the National Institute for Drug Abuse. Wow. Mickey just fired up Mustang Sally. <laughs> okay. The National Institute for Drug Abuse. I think she's going to ditch you. I don't, yeah, she's out. She's like, screw this crackpot. I'm running off with Chad, the toilet paper guy. Um, turns out that in the 1990s, funds were given to the Clemson University researcher, John W. Huffman, and they were researching for a cure to marijuana addiction. And this was money from the National Institute for Drug Abuse. And that they then, this guy came up with the K2 and spice formula. So the. That's interesting. Yeah, isn't it? There's a whole story. Look at the show notes 431.nashownotes.com. And of course, they don't know how the recipe got out. (laughs) They probably posted it on on the intranet or something. Uh, so they're they're baffled. They're baffled how the recipe for K two and spice got out. But so it's, it's created by our government, according to this report. Hmm. And then we have our drug czar Karlikowski, who was at uh, he did a a, a little talk and uh, another dangerous question answer session. And this beautiful guy gets up and he just lays into Karlikowski, who of course is having nothing of the of uh, of his points of view. But this guy is very smart, very educated, and he gives some facts, some actual facts, 
which our drug czar is clueless about. This is Richard Kennedy. I'm a retired CIA economic analyst who uh, graduated from college before marijuana showed up on campus. Uh, but I got interested in drug policy when I went back to grad school a few years later uh, and saw it being widely used. And it was pretty clear 40 years ago that marijuana is not more dangerous than alcohol. And today we know with absolute certainty that it's a far less dangerous drug than alcohol or tobacco. Those two drugs are killing more than half a million Americans every year. And the number of marijuana deaths is so low that we can't even detect it in epidemiological studies. And I would submit that Mr. Kurlikowski's office is contributing to the alcohol and tobacco deaths because you are sending the message to our kids that the only drug they need to worry about is marijuana. And I think that's a tragic mistake. We have a comment? Sure. <laughs> a couple of points. One, I, I think we concentrate on a wide array of, of drug issues. Yeah. Uh, we clearly don't try to prioritize which is more dangerous than the other. It's a huge mistake to think that marijuana is a, is a benign substance because it, it clearly is not. Uh, it's not. Uh, legalization is, uh, in, in, nor is decriminalization an answer. Now, let's not look at, uh, I don't know, Portugal. It's not the answer. When uh, an illegal substance becomes legal we know that the use increases really really mm-hmm. it isn't like the infrastructure in this that's country that's total bull crap thank you thank you of course it's bull crap it's just propagating the lies it's well equipped right now already to deal with the number of people uh, that have alcohol uh, problems that suffer from uh, the the effects of nicotine uh, i don't think we're in that position to take care of the people about one in ten, and in that doesn't include new users, who would become addicted to marijuana. We also don't think that locking everyone up for marijuana uh, is an answer. You know, when Stephen mentioned the war on crime... Uh, Just lock up the blacks. Yeah. ...about that for a long time. We don't think that there's an end in sight. Uh, the officers in Seattle that reduced crime uh, through their dedicated work never thought they were going to work themselves out of a job. Legalization isn't going to uh, solve our drug problem. Okay. Well, good. Good to know that. There's your position. Yeah. It's the douchebag position. Yeah. I'll give him one. Douchebag. Uh, All right. We, and I'll, I just got one last short little clip here. Uh, we have a new anonymous in Russia, in the F Russia campaign. And it was just fun to hear uh, Aaron Burnett, or Burnett, as we say in Texas, actually say the words. In March, we brought you the story of the Russian punk band, Pussy Riot. <laughs> I just want to hear her say that a lot. <laughs> they, these people, they wear masks. And then all of a sudden, they're, they're a punk band, Pussy Riot. Just say that a lot, Aaron Burnett. We like it. Pussy Riot. Douche. All right. Okay. You done? I you got you got anything? Yeah, I got a couple of things, but they're not that well, interesting. Me, I mean, I do have... Take us out on a high. Take us out on a high. Okay, well, here's one. This is on NBC, which is doing nothing but Olympic coverage. They sent some crazy shopping woman out <laughs> who just came back blathering about shopping and where you should go and how you should what you should buy. And then she kicks it. She... she he closes it with a, just a total what kind of thing, but you can just run this insane woman going on, blathering on about, you know, you can, by the way, and get a copy of Alice in Wonderland, which everybody needs for only 35 pounds. Like, 1966. Wow. 
So yeah, this is just great. Something and special all about these... this book, Alice in Wonderland. Oh, is this fabulous? So the original <coughs> one, first edition, was six thousand pounds. Now this one, it was re-released. We got this copy for thirty-five pounds. Originally thirty-eight, but we but what a great thing to have. Good bargain. And then Good in the bargain. fashion department here, we picked up some statement jewelry. Of course, some knickers. Knickers. Like Jimmy, our cameraman, said he would yeah. model. He's oh, great. And then. And if you do not have time to go to the market, the three stores you must hit, Harrods Jigsaw, Kate Middleton used to be an accessories buyer there, and then Boots, they have their own line, it's a pharmacy, everything fabulous is there. So if you can't hit the market Fridays or Saturdays, this is where to go. Just and by the way, uh, I, I, I... Boots? Yeah, boots, it's a big... Boots, thing. everything's fabulous? It's fabulous, yeah. This is the word, by the way. Anything in, the, in London is fabulous. It's just and fabulous. Boots. 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 Let me get this straight. Boots, which is it's, you've it's, been to Boots? Yeah, it's like Walmart. It, no, it's not. It's a little small. Yeah, but it's like the, a Walgreens. A Walgreens. I'm sorry. Yeah, and it's just a pharmacy, and they have yeah, but whatever. Boots. It's fabulous. It's fabulous. <laughs> it's fabulous. It's fabulous. It's just fabulous. It's and, fabulous. And Mary Alice in Wonderland is fabulous. It's fabulous. just fabulous. All right. Let's think. So much for the most fabulous podcast in the universe. We'll be back uh, on Sunday, and the show still in Colorado. We'll be uh, in this exact same locale, uh, but we will have a lot more stories uh, to share, and maybe we'll run into some uh, shilling feds here in uh, the uh, backup headquarters of the United States of Gitmo Nation. I'll be happy to pass on some stories to you. And I can't wait to turn the air conditioner on because the bin is hot. 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 Anyway, Hot Pockets 2009 continues, everybody. And remember to support us. A little bit of gas, a little bit of oil, maybe even uh, help us out with the uh, power steering pump. Coming to you from Gitmo Nation. It's here, hidden in the hills. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from fabulous northern Silicon Valley, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll be back on Sunday with another episode right here on No Agenda. Dvorak.org slash N-A